Blog Talk Radio. Hey, what up, Q? What up, Radio World? My name is Quincy. And this is my show, the Talk to Q Radio Show. It's almost like posting a blog, except I'm doing it live. Tonight, my name is Quincy, and this is my show. And tonight, we are discussing how to complain more effectively, how to get your opinions heard. Now, you know, I have nothing against complaining, but there's an art to it. Now, some people are really good at it, while others suck. And you can't effectively complain if you're annoying, all right? Now, in my opinion, complaining only works if you can get the other person to respond to what you're saying. Asking questions that force them to show their incompetence by answering you does the trick. I mean, you have to establish guilt in order to, you know, have something done about it. Making them hate you isn't going to amount to anything being done to resolve your issue. But I don't want to get too far into things. Let me go ahead and explain how this show works for those who may be new T2Q. This show is a platform for you. The callers, the chat room participants, the social networkers, all of you have the opportunity to voice, chat, or tweet your opinions to me and be heard worldwide and completely uncensored. Because here on T2Q, there are no experts, just opinions. Unlike most shows where you simply just listen to the host talk on and on, I allow you the opportunity to speak your mind. You can join my show legends each episode and discuss a wide range of things like relationships, current events, sports, politics, and more. This show is very informal by design because, let's face it, my style is very unorthodox in nature. The topics are random, but they're relevant with what's going on in the world today. The call-in number to step on your soapbox is 347 347- Two zero two zero two one five. That's three four seven two zero two zero two one five. If you decide to call in and you get the urge to voice your opinion, 
sent after you connect, simply hit one on your dial pad. That lets me know that you're ready to speak, and it places you in the host queue. And please mute your phone if you're not speaking at the time, because background noise picks up easily over cell phones and headsets. Now, another way you can contribute to the show is to follow me on Twitter at TalkToQ. There is a live tweet chat that occurs during the show, and you can respond to some of the same questions that I'm asking over the air in most cases. Please search and use hashtag T2Q to read and respond to all show tweets. If you want to learn more about me, the show, or the show legends, then journey on over to TalkToQ.com. And if you can't listen to the entire show live, then you can find T2Q on iTunes and just pick up where you left off. Maintenance complete. All right. T2Q radio show number 535 starts right after this words, these words from the Crystal Show. Um, I'm sorry, from CrystalHickerson.com. And from MedievalWP.com. The novels of Crystal Hickerson. The Magician. The metaphysical action drama about the fight between good and evil which holds the fate of man in the balance. Street Corners. A tragic romantic crime saga of a man who has the hearts of two very different women in his hands. The choice he makes will hurt them both. Wanted. A ghostly story about a woman caught between the planes of life and death. It is left up to the reader to decide which reality was real. The Volunteer. The struggle of a man with his career and his life teetering on thin ice. Can love truly conquer all? And if you think this is the end for Crystal, you would be wrong. For as you listen to this, a new dynamic tale is on the way. Go to crystalhickerson.com to purchase all of her novels. Follow her on social media and listen to her on the radio at thecrystalshow.com. Enter the amazing world at crystalhickerson.com. Would you like a faster WordPress, a managed WordPress, and most importantly, a secure WordPress? You need MedievalWP.com. With just a few clicks, you can easily transfer or begin hosting your WordPress site with MedievalWP.com. A cloud-based solution, MedievalWP.com can load your pages faster, install needed updates, and provide a level of security to make your website a virtual fortress. Want to be treated like online royalty? Sign up today at MedievalWP.com. My thanks to CrystalHickerson.com and MedievalWP.com for both being sponsors of tonight's Talk to Q radio show. 347-202-0215 is the number. To the phone I go to the 248 area code, the Motor City of Detroit, Michigan, and welcome on the author, the show hostess, and show legend, Crystal Hickerson. Chris, what's going on? Thank you. How are you? I'm doing pretty well on this fine Tuesday evening. Um, it's just us so far. For some reason, I feel like it's going to be us for just a minute, too. Because like everybody was <laughs> texting me saying they had something that came up. And and so, yeah. But it's all good. We will do what we do. You're not complaining do. about that, are you? Not at all. I always like chopping it up with you on the Q and Crystal show. 
So okay. I always thought I would have been a halfway decent show host for you, uh, co-host <laughs> for you. But uh, we'll go ahead and get started, talk about complaining. Now, this topic kind of came up because a few weeks ago I went to get my oil changed, and this guy was just complaining about everything. And I blogged about it over at uh, thankq.me. And he just annoyed me and everybody in the waiting room. And no one felt sorry for him, even though his complaints may have been legitimate. No one felt sorry for him because he was just, ugh, just nails on the chalkboard, you know. So (laughs) I just want to discuss some scenarios tonight, and maybe everyone can kind of give their own opinion on how they would handle it. And somewhere we can find this happy medium of the best way to get stuff done. But let me just start off with the basics first, Crystal. Let's say you are a customer somewhere, which undoubtedly you are every single day. What is a surefire thing that a business can do that would piss you off? Well, if the customer service is not good, if, you know, the person that I'm dealing with over the counter um, and the, you know, the workers, so... And the main people you deal with when you go to the business is either, you know, the receptionist or the cashier or whatever. So those are the frontline people, and if they treat you bad or they kind of show on their face that they're not having a good day or they're pissed off about whatever, then it makes your, you know, whatever you're doing, your service or whatever, horrible and for me, customer service is number one, and if I don't get good customer service, I will go out of my way to avoid that business and go to another one. So. Okay. And to me, I guess the one thing that will really piss me off is to not acknowledge me. I hate walking into a restaurant or any type of business, staying at the counter, while someone is doing something else. And I understand you may be busy, but you can at least say, how are you doing, sir, be just a moment, or this person can help you over a register too, or, or just anything to acknowledge my existence. But when I stand there and you're not even saying anything to me, it really makes me get choky, you know. And so I, I think that bothers me more than anything. But, I mean, but 30 years ago, Crystal, people used to say the customer is always right. You know, I remember hearing that when I was growing up in the in the 70s and 80s. What in the world changed? Well, it, I think what changed is that people aren't getting the right kind of training anymore about um, what customer service is. And that's really what we're talking about. You know, it's leaving your problems at the door, and focusing in on your job at hand. I mean, I mean, we all know that it's not the best thing to be working, you know, maybe at a restaurant, you know, or whatever, uh-huh. and you're not getting paid a lot, and, you know, people are idiots and assholes. Yeah. And they, you know, but still... That's where that phrase comes from. The customer is always right. It's not just about what they're complaining about. It's it's also about just the fact that they are the ones that are 
you know, paying your bills. This, they are why we are here. Um, for them to come into our establishment and pay money for our goods and services so that way I can pay you <laughs> for being a cashier or being whatever, manager, CEO. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how we get paid is if they, you know, bring their business to us. If they're treated badly, then just like I said before, they will take their business elsewhere. Well, you know, is that, I mean, and I think in most cases, in 90% of the cases, that is true. They will take their business elsewhere. But do you think that's where we started getting these contracts from, two-year contracts where you have to sign up for something um, as a way to protect the company when they don't give you good service? You know, um, I mean, I, I know it's more cheaper than that, but I mean, yeah, I, I, we, we, I'm pretty sure you felt the effects of it yourself when you signed a two-year contract, like for a cell phone provider. They don't have anything to do with you for 18 months, but when it's six months left on your deal, all of a sudden they have this special for you, this coupon, and they're friendly with you again. They like you again. Well, that's the same way. Like, um, I think that you also seeing the two-year contract specifically with cell phones going away because um, a lot of cell phone companies are realizing that people hate that. And so now they are giving it where they can have services without contracts because people really do not like the fact of contracts. But also, speaking like with um, cable companies, I can speak about that, is the fact that they only have specials for new customers. And mm-hmm. here here you are, a loyal customer who's been with them for years, and you don't get any good deals because you have been, because you're not a new contract, you know, a new person. Right. On. They already got your money. So that's, right. So that's, that's a little annoying to me. And, and I'm sorry, just having, you know, maybe a special weekend of free you know, service like from Showtime or something doesn't count mm-hmm. because Showtime is its own entity. It's not the cable company. It's, you know, another service. So so I think they're beginning to realize that people don't like being bogged into one thing. And it does. It does. They they do it in order to attract new people and to mm-hmm. get more money, but not to support the people who have been there and been loyal to you. Right. And I, I don't get that. I mean, I've I've been with DirecTV since the 90s, and it's the same thing. Every time I call in, someone's like, oh, wow, I've never seen um, an account number this short before. You know, because I have a five-digit account number, and everybody else is like nine digits. And, you know, like you said, they'll give you a free showtime every now and then. And sometimes I even get a credit on my bill if I'm, calling to complain about something, but I'll never have that twenty nine ninety five a month service like new customers can get for up to a year. You know, that's never going to be an option for me, despite the fact that I've been there for, you know, 17, 18 years. And it can kind of be deflating at times and kind of make you want to change to go somewhere else. But, you know, when you go somewhere else, it's the same thing. Because you're a new customer, you're going to feel good for that first year, and then over time you'll 
probably be forgotten about. You know, and it's it's it kind of sucks when that happens. But as far as the customer always being right, I remember, you know, going back to I used to live nearby a Dairy Queen, and if they forgot your fries and you went back and said, "Hey, you forgot my fries in my order," a lot of times they'll give you two fries, or maybe they'll give you an extra dessert and just something to try to make you feel good and show that they're sorry you had to waste your time coming back and. Now you're lucky if you even get someone to speak to you. They'll just throw the fries in the bag and push the bag your way and turn around and go back to what they were doing. And, uh, <laughs> and it's not really a lot what you, you can do about it. But let me ask you this. Do you get what you pay for when it comes to employees? You know, In other words, does low pay equal horrible service? Well, um, sometimes it does. Um but that uh, that's a trickle down theory of um how a person is being treated period if you if your main <clears throat> the only reason why you're there at this particular job is because you're getting paid you know your check that's not enough to keep you to make you a good employee the same thing with the customer I'm going to patronize this particular business not only because I can buy whatever I need because it's close to me or it's on my way home or it's convenient, but because the people there are nice. Just like I was saying before, you know, I will go out of my way to be treated well, even if, you know, a place is closer to me. So Mm -hmm. it's the same thing for an employee. If you, if you're boss and coworkers have an environment that is pleasing then I'm going to stay there especially if I'm making you know minimum wage or something because there's lots of places where I can make minimum wage but I work here and I'll, I'll stay here because I'm treated well it's more right. than just about what I'm getting paid it's about that the boss respects me the boss takes the time, or management or whatever, takes the time to make sure that my environment, work environment, and that I feel like I'm a team player, that I feel like I am part of something, you know, more than just what I'm doing. And that trickles down to how I treat my customers. Because not only are the people who are paying your customers, but your employees are also your customers. And that's true. That's true. A lot of people don't look at it that way, but they are kind of, you are kind of working for for them in a roundabout way. So I, I agree with you on that. And um, I don't think that, when I think about, um, I you have Chick-fil-A up there in Michigan? Yeah, I I think so. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe it's in Illinois. Well, I don't know if you ever been there or if you're freaking there, but those who have been to nope. to Chick-fil-A, the people that I know say that it's the best customer service of any business that you, you can ever find. Um, mm. I, actually, I actually know of a company that modeled their customer service behind Chick-fil-A's um, strategy. This is, you know, a Fortune 500 company. And the reason being is that their 
consistent. Now, I don't know what they pay their employees, but I'm assuming it's, they pay them like every other um, fast food restaurant, but maybe they do a better job of selecting who they get to work for them. Because every time you uh, say thank you for anything they give you, the response is always the same. They say, my pleasure. All right. It's always consistent. It's always pleasant. And I have never been to a fast food place where people seem like they're excited to help you. I mean, and I've been to Chick-fil-A's all across the South. All right. And it's it's amazing. It's amazing. And I, and I know, well, I know some people don't like Chick-fil-A because of the owner's stance on gay people. That's something different. But as far as just customer <laughs> service, I have never experienced anything like that. And it really just blows me away. I mean, young people, older people seem like they're just eager to help you. And I'm like, man, where do they get these people from? Are they, like, from another planet or something? And they, you know, have nope. a colony here? or And it's a shame when you feel like it's something that's foreign to, foreign to you because you're not used to getting good customer service. And so, but all right. Now, as far as your technique, Crystal, when it comes to customer service. When you want to complain about something that happens, um, do you immediately ask for a manager or do you give the person who's helping you an opportunity to fix it first? Well, um, I believe in chain of command. So I first I start with the person I'm dealing with. And then if that's not working then I would go, you know, above them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, i start with the person I'm dealing with first. Okay. And that doesn't always um, work out. It, it doesn't always work out. I don't understand it, but you try mm-hmm. to give the person the opportunity to fix it. A lot of times you have a problem with them more so than you have a problem with anything else. So a lot of people bypass them. But I'm the same way. I let them know what's wrong. I let them know what I expect them to do to fix it, and I give them the opportunity to fix it. Um, And it's unfortunate sometimes that it has to be escalated. But when it's escalated to the manager, do you feel like most people have a different approach when the manager shows up, I mean, maybe they're a little sassy with the employee, but when the manager comes on the scene, they're a little more respectable and giving their argument. Um, I, you know, I think when any time someone has like a backup, or they feel that they have a backup from like their manager or something, then yeah, they do. You know, they feel a little more comfortable to to be a little more sassier, but. But then that speaks to how they speaks to management, which mm-hmm. often speaks to the company and how well, I mean they are. The customer. They oh, you the mean customer. the customer become you know, more belligerent? Yeah, because no, when the the customer becomes the opposite, because I've seen situations where the customer, I mean, has done everything except curse out the little the cashier. But when the manager shows up, they're all respectable acting, you know, and almost like they're putting on a facade, like I've been, you know, horribly victimized and all this other stuff. But. Well, um, I guess it depends on the, the person, you know. Um, actually, I've seen it the other way around. 
where they get more belligerent to the manager because the manager is getting paid more. And, um, you know, so therefore now I'm not dealing with, you know, your underling. I'm dealing with you. So you're, you're supposed to fix it. Oh, yeah. You're supposed to fix it because that's your job to fix it, you know. Mm-hmm. And, um, so yeah, so I think I, I, I mean, me personally, I've just seen it the other way, as opposed to them getting less upset, as they get more upset, or you know, than they did before. So, okay. or maybe by the time the uh, manager got there, they've calmed down a little bit because they've taken it out on. You know, that's true. Cause the manager was sitting in the back and try to figure out what's going on and try to get their little situation together. So yeah, that's true too. Plus, the manager is um, more, um, they may come with a more calmer attitude and they know more about how to speak to someone, whereas the um, cashier or the, you know, the employee is more, um, they may not know how to speak to someone or they may not be able to answer a question as quickly. And um, so, therefore, they don't have the skill set to talk to um, a customer the way the manager may have a better skill set. And that's true. And and then also to add to that, I think some customers are intimidated by managers. And I don't mean to the point that they're afraid, but I mean to the point Mm -hmm. that they will accept their argument a lot more than they will. They won't challenge them like they would, you know, someone who's a lesser underling, like you would say. Um, mm-hmm. I remember when I worked at this um, power company, a local power company here, and we had this one agent, and it was so funny when she'd do it, but whenever someone called in and started complaining and asked to speak to a manager, she would place them on hold, and then she'd get back on the phone with them and change her voice. And she would say the same thing that she said previously in a different voice, and the customer would accept it. And I guess because it was coming from a manager, and it used to crack us up big time. But um, let's see, on Facebook, Danielle in Monroe, Louisiana, chimed in. Um, When asked, uh, when she complains about customer service, does she go immediately for the manager or gives the employee a chance to fix it? And she says she only goes to a manager if the employee seems uninterested or unbothered. And, um, yeah, I I guess that's probably what the, the average person does. Um, you give them a chance. If they don't seem like they want to help you, then at that point you try to find someone else who can help you. But so based on your experience and things you've seen in in your years walking this planet, um, (laughs) I shouldn't say that. That makes you sound old. Uh, Who who has, uh, (laughs) it just sounds like something you say about a dinosaur, so I'm sorry. Um, Who has more success in getting their complaint heard, the calm one, the vocal but reasonable one, or the one who acts a fool? Well, there's that old saying that, you know, the squeaky wheel is the one that gets the oil. But um, actually, if you are calm yet, you know, um, firm about your stance, then I think that um, will 
take you long take you a longer way as far as getting what you need, you know. Um because and you'll you'll get there quicker as opposed to the one who is yelling and screaming and, you know, acting a fool. You may get what you want, but you may not get it um you may not, you may get more. See if you are calm about it and you're stating your case then you'll get what you are what you missed out on, but you may also get something a little more, you know, like um the let's say to use keep using, you know, the burger fries scenario. You know, you you didn't like your fries because they were too cold or whatever. So, you know, the person who yelled will get their fries or you know, whatever, but the person who is more calm may get their fries plus a coupon because not only the person is willing to help them and plus they're, you know, they're really sorry that it happened. So they have more time to think and what can I, what else can I do to keep this customer? But if you're belligerent, then the, you know, I just want you to go away. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to give you whatever you're yelling about and then I'm going to, you know, let you go. And another thing about, I don't understand why people act a fool in a restaurant, which is the worst place to act a fool, <laughs> because the food you may end up getting may not be as good as it was in the first place because, you know, someone may be upset in the kitchen and, you know, not make your food good. They may spit in it or something um, <laughs> or drop it on the floor and, you know, say, here, take that or something, you know, because, you know, which I've seen happen. So it doesn't make any any difference if you are yelling and screaming it's not going to help your case any better. Although a lot of people do think that, but it really doesn't. You you get more, you know, if you just state your case in a calm manner. Mm. Well, and you know what? It's, it's funny because I've seen people at restaurants, I mean, just act a donkey with people who are fixing their food. And my thing is once I get to the point that I get upset and I may start getting disrespectful, I'm not eating there at that point. You know, at that point you can keep the food because, like you said, you don't know who's going to spit in it, throw it on the floor or do whatever. But I've seen some bold people go off on folks and then turn right around and take the food that's given them and leave. And I'm like, there's no way I mean that. <laughs> But uh, I don't know. There's some people who are a little bit more, I guess, out there than than, than I would be for sure. But uh, we're gonna think. Uh, yeah, <laughs> mainly you're right. Mainly because they're they're idiots, and I mean, yeah, and you have the belligerent types who feel like they're right even when they're wrong. Yeah, I, mm -hmm. I've seen customers take things way too far things that either weren't a big deal or maybe a mistake that wasn't the fault of the person they're dealing with. And so, you know, the customer is right can be taken too far at times. So you, you do have to make sure that if you're going to exercise that, that mantra, I guess, that you should make sure you're in the clear and that you are definitely um, in the right when you approach someone. But we're going to take a quick break and I'm going to grab a sip of water 
and then I'll go to another caller who's called in. So I will be back in about 45 seconds. Hi, this is Aaron Anderson of the Marriage and Family Clinic at RelationshipRx.net, and you're listening to the Talk to You radio show, No Experts, Just Opinions. area code, the Magnolia State of Mississippi, to the capital city of Jackson, and bring on my man, Eminem. Eminem, what's going on, bro? Hey, what up, Q? What up, Radio World? Not too much, man. Glad to have you on. And Eminem, we're talking about, you know, complaints and dealing with businesses and everything, and got a couple more questions with this, and then a few more questions about relationships, but... uh, in your opinion, Eminem, do you think that emailing a complaint or maybe bashing a company via social media can yield positive results for bad customer service? Oh, yeah, all day long because uh, never before, unlike ever before, um, social media you know, uh, has had a very adverse effect on uh, the, you know, the corporate world in, in, in general. And um, the lower corporate uh, companies, not necessarily mob and pop, but, you know, like regional level stuff, uh, more so than any, because it, it reaches so many people kind of like in your face. You know, you know, you don't have to be the, you know, let's take it back to the, you know, the 70s and 80s, man, even in a big portion of the 90s where if somebody had some kind of bad review for some kind of major company, I mean, if you want the type of guy that read like Newsweek or, uh, you know, Business Now and all that type of stuff, man, you know, you really wouldn't be affected by it. But now, you know, you might see some excerpt, you know, where somebody, you know, said, "Hey, it's uh, uh, you know, uh, not just that plane, it's just the worst service I've ever seen." But you know, it's like, well, hey, you know, they got a, uh, you know, rats in some kind of warehouse and all that kind of stuff, and it goes viral, or, you know, kid eat some kind of uh, food, and, you know, they die from it or choke from it, and somebody blasted out there, and, and it goes viral as if this is a fact, and the company is already affected by it, whether, you know, before the facts even come out. So that's the power of it, and you have to take that kind of stuff very serious. You know, like if somebody... uh if you're running a business or something and somebody, you know, bashing your shit or something like that, it's almost kind of like I kind of coined the Michael Jackson effect <clears throat> because, you know, people would come out and just say, you know, Michael did this and just to be like, well, look, you know, I don't have time to cancel a concert that I'm about to make, you know, X amount of dollars for. Uh, so I just give you this money, even though I know you're lying, you know, just to, not deal with it, and a lot of people have manipulated that. It's all, it's almost an art form in itself. Uh, and uh, um, I, I think I've seen um, 
and, and Q, you might have seen something like this too to put it into better words than what I'm trying to break it down right now, but it was something to the effect where you have like, uh, you know, like you have restaurants and hotels where you give people to rate them or whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. You had like uh, opposing companies putting in fake ratings and stuff, but people bought into it, and the company already would feel the the the, uh, the financial bite from it before the facts even come out for you to even say, "Hey, man, you know that guy is one of our uh, uh, competitors blogging that shit. He he's not even a customer, but but, but before that can even come out, where well, thirty people say we ain't gonna stay in this hotel no more." You know, so that's right. that's the that's that's the messed up thing about it. it. It's the fact that it feels good for a weak man or a small man to have a power to to influence certain things without a big time lawyer. But the negative part of that is often it's done without facts, and and right. and, and, and you know it, it can really lead to a lot of financial burden. Okay, and Crystal, what do you think about? Uh... We we know social media complaining can yield some results, but what do you think about emailing? Can you email like a complaint email address or um, someone high up in management email the company and yield any positive results anymore, or is that just a waste of time now? No, uh, actually it's not a waste of time because the um – a lot of companies nowadays, especially retail, they have it in place that when you do submit, um, uh, whether w- however the complaint comes over, whether it's email or online review or whatever, that those those uh, reviews go to someone, and it does speak to like it'll speak to the management of that particular store, mm-hmm. and they have to account for that. You know, I mean, uh, and it it does kind of mark against the manager, if especially if the person didn't mention an actual employee in it. It mm-hmm. just speaks against the store. Um, so, so it, it, you know, it does affect it does affect something. So whether it's a competitor, and sometimes they can tell if it is a competitor. Um, or if, if it is someone, so it may not, it's like, okay, well, I know who that is. I, we know, you know, that's a disgruntled employee. But mm-hmm. even if they can't, for a minute, it does count against that particular store. So, and I've, I've you know, seen that happen because my son is a store manager for a retail company, and that's the way their policy is set up. So if anybody complains, it does get talked about and because they you know they have to deal with it okay. so uh so yeah it's, it's not just um you're out there and in, in la la land <laughs> it doesn't go anywhere it actually does it does go somewhere and they they do speak to it well i i there's a popeyes near my house and i have emailed at least three times complaining about whenever this one particular manager works um you know, they're out of stuff. I mean, I've gone there on a Sunday afternoon, you know, trying to get hooked up before football starts and everything. Oh, we're out of white meat. 
you know, you're waiting for them to say it's, it's going to be, you know, nine minutes or some more. No, they're out. Like, you know, we're out until someone delivers some. And I'm like, are, are you serious? Middle of Sunday afternoon? And it's happened so many times there, and I complained. And I went there one day, and that one manager lady was not there. And so I asked someone about it. I'm like, what happened to her? And they're like, oh, they moved her to another store. So I'm like, okay, what good did that do? So now, um, you know, I see this lady where where I am now. I see her in another location that I frequent, and she's there. And, of course, they run out of stuff. And it's frustrating. So, I mean, to me, some companies, they may do something about it. Some other ones, they may just try to cover it up in their own little way, and they really don't fix the problem. But um, I don't know if emailing helps or not. I hate it when I get that canned response that makes it sound like you really didn't listen to what I had to say. Hey, Q. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, Another one to that same point about emailing, man, uh, because this is something I done did actually more than one or two times. I notice you don't get the same results when you email from a company website where it's no kind of, you know, it's like a one-ended kind of thing. It's like if they respond, you might see something, but if they don't respond, you don't know who got what versus a direct email address where you can kind of keep your own record of, like, yeah, you know, I sent this email then, but, you know, because I had email about uh, uh, some bullshit uh you know, uh, some malfunctions on a uh, stern column of a uh, car one of my sons had got, and you know, I, I didn't get a response either way or the, or the other. You know, you know, to see if it was still in warrant or what, you know, de- defect or what. But the point was, is it, no, I have no real record of it because I did the shit off the, off the website. You know, mm-hmm. you know where you click contact and you fill out the little, you know, the little, uh, you know, the little fields and. Once you submit, you don't know who the hell got it, where it went, versus going into some kind of business directory and like, okay, this is the consultant of sales or whatever, and you email that person. Then you can kind of keep your own little log of, I contacted you here and didn't get nothing. I contacted you here. Sometimes that's more effective than those contact things. I, I just my own personal experience. Okay. All right, cool. And... um I, 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 don't, I don't know. I just think that, well, now what I do, I when I have a complaint, I blog about it uh, because my blogs get retweeted a lot of times. So I'll blog about it, and I'll put the company name in the title. And um, I think the last time I did that with AT&T, then on Twitter, I had like three direct messages from people saying, um, can you send a contact number so we can contact you on how to fix this problem? And, so um, I do know social media can work. No one wants to be slammed on social media for sure. Yeah, but, especially somebody trying to stay in the closet, man. That shit messed a lot of people up. <laughs> Blackmailing <laughs> motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah. Well, Crystal, let me ask you this. When you complain about bad customer service, is it more about what you say, how you say it, or who you say it to that gets the results that you want? Well, it's more about um, how you say it and who you say it to. There's usually a process within any company, and a lot of times the average customer doesn't know that. Uh, So they immediately will complain to 
the uh, the employee they're dealing with, or maybe they'll ask for the manager. But just because you ask for a manager doesn't mean that that manager has much power to actually do anything. Um, mm-hmm. Because there's a manager just means okay, that could be the assistant manager, the associate manager, the part time manager. That may not be the actual manager who has the power to make real changes within that store or company. Um, and then that manager may not tell their boss, you know, what really happened. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but it's, yeah, it's who you are. Um, a lot of times, I know you, you, you know, you guys are talking about the website or whatever, um, but there are like, you know, there are 1-800 numbers or to the main corporate, if you really want to, you know, talk to someone in power, quote-unquote, or whatever, then my suggestion would be to go to um, their website and look up their corporate offices and, or, you know, and who who deals with them. Those are the people you really want to talk to because that will definitely get a direct effect um, because that's their job. You know, they they do nothing but you know, mm-hmm. um, deal with, with uh, complaints or or issues uh, related to customer service and things of that nature. So a lot of, it depends on the company. You can't just blanket it because some companies are more in tuned with their customer service. It's more important to them and it's built into their system and others don't. I mean, I think a lot of times you have to look at if the company is privately owned as opposed to is the company has a corp- corporate office. Mm-hmm. And um, if, if it's privately owned, the buck may stop at that store as opposed to, you know, a corporate office or something. So, and, but the average customer is not going to know that or may not realize that, you know. So, yeah. yeah. And then a lot of times you get, on the flip side of it, I don't know if you're going to talk about it, but on the flip side of it, you have people that are just complainers. It doesn't matter what you do, you know, for them. or You know, they will always complain. They're always pissed off about something and because they feel, well, if I complain, I'm going to get better service or I'm going to get, you know, whatever. So they always complain about every little thing. And, you know, and they think they're going to get something more, so they just are jerks, you know, about it and just make yeah, everything worse. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point because uh, you know, nah, even though I know we, you know, demographics and race and social class is not the issue, you know, with the tonight's topic, but but uh, a lot of businesses see the difference too. You know, if you kind of like pretty much in the hood or somewhere where people are lower educated, for the most part, well, I mean, other than somebody cussing you out on the front end, usually nobody don't know how to take it to the next step, but. You know, you start getting in better areas where you got people, you know, emailing the damn CEO and all that kind of shit, and they find out, you know, where he played golf at and cussing them out there and all that kind of stuff. It's like, damn, you know, because they know how to follow that chain. But, you know, but kind of in the ghetto, it's kind of like, shit, you know, the front end people get it. You know, the the cashier get cussed out, but nobody yeah. is going to have the fortitude to take it to who really needs to hear it, you know, so. You know, they just take it out on whoever they can physically see. Right, take the easy way out. Right, right. That's very true. That's very true. And uh, C. Morgan Fly on Twitter um, up in New York said that, I learned that it's what you say and how you say it. 
Perception is key, and no grown man wants to be talked to like a child. And Eminem, can you speak to that? Because like, even if someone, even if a company is in the wrong, and the manager knows they're wrong, if you talk to the manager like a child, I mean, they're human. You still may not get stuff done. Well, I mean, yeah, it, it's no different than uh, you know, it's pretty much like the art of persuasion. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, you know. Uh, my 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 own personal approach is, you know, um, if it's nothing physical, then I'm not gonna cause nothing to be physical. I mean, I don't care how bad the situation may be, you know, unless you just personally violated me some kind of way with some kind of slur or some bullshit. Um, you know, I'm gonna try to stick the topic and you know, and then you know, the the, the pleasantries are gonna be within a professional manner. It's not gonna be a bunch of, you know, you know. Y'all, some sorry ass, because see, now you already opened the door to say, now, uh, I done checked this dude nuts, so now he got to let me know that he a man and all this kind of shit. Now, what the conversation should be about, we're not even discussing business at this point, you know. Yeah, at this um, point, y'all about to go to the truck. Exactly. So, you know, uh, uh, a, a good thing, uh, 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 to put it in layman's terms or whatever, you know, it's almost the difference between watching uh, street gangs, you know, have a difference of opinion versus maybe some high-level uh, mafia family or something like that. You know, these jokers sit down, you know, it's like, yeah, we know we're getting ready to go to war and we get ready to kill each other, but, you know, shit, we sitting here eating a big thing of spaghetti, you know, just saying, you know, how, you know, hey, man, you know, you talking like, you know, still pretty much civilized, you know. So that's mm-hmm. kind of the thing. You know, it's like, you know, you can say what you got to say, Without you know insulting the man, you know, um, I, I see it a lot with you know <laughs> youth sports or whatever. It's like, well, you know, you know, I can kind of persuade a lot of refs on certain calls, sticking to the facts and stuff like that. You know, when these guys start talking about the refs and their mom and all this shit, well, now you don't fucked up. You ain't gonna yeah. do nothing. You know, so it's kind of the same thing. You know. I agree. I agree. You're not gonna get anything done at that point. You come at it from that perspective. And so let's switch gears for a minute and go from businesses to relationships. And then this is a question I've kind of asked before, but uh, since it's just a couple of us, we'll be able to, I guess, give more clarity and expound on it a bit. But, Crystal, how do you complain to a significant other without coming off as a nag? Now, Nicole from Houston on Facebook says that you voice it as a concern in a non-accusatory way. But how how do you do that? How do you complain to a significant other without coming off as a nag? <laughs> well, I guess you, I guess, I don't know, you can talk in a way that is not whiny. That's number one. Um, you talk about something that is actually relevant. And um, that doesn't make except doesn't make any sense. Nagging means someone who's saying the same thing over and over again, and you're not getting any results, but they continue to say the same thing over and over again. That's nagging. Uh, so, uh, it, when you complain about something in a relationship, first of all, you have to make sure that what you're complaining about isn't just part of their core personality of who they are, and um, and you, it, it's probably not going to change anyway. So you may need to either accept the behavior, or you need to get another person. You know, 
So, mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's basically it. But um, to complain in a relationship, you, I mean, you have to be logical about it. And what what is it actually that you're talking about? And does it make any sense to complain about it when you can just simply do the thing that is annoying you? Um, for instance, just I guess if a person is, you know, they always come home and they, you know, they kind of leave their socks everywhere or, you know, they kind of make a, a path to whatever they're doing when they get home. They, they take off their socks, their pants or whatever, and they just leave it on the floor in the bedroom or something. And so you're continuously talking about, can you please pick up your clothes? Can you please put it in the hamper? Blah, blah, blah. Well, after a while and you you continually saying that, that's probably never going to change. This is, you know, who they are and it's not bothering them, but it's bothering you more. Mm-hmm. Um, so what will it cost you to just pick it up yourself? You know, I mean, I mean, and so, I mean you have, what are you exactly, what are you really arguing about? And, and, and that becomes a nag, nagging situation. So I guess you would pick your battles, really. I mean, don't be a nagger. You know, pick your fucking battles. I mean, you know. <laughs> no really. racist slurs. No racist slurs. And <laughs> don't be a nagger. Eminem, uh, <laughs> you just caught on. Yeah, Eminem. <laughs> really, really quick, because I got another question for you, Eminem. But really quick, um, you want to chime in on that as far as how do you complain to a significant other without coming off as a nag? Uh no, nah, just 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 complain, you know. If that's part of your your personality, just, you know, complain and don't stop. You know, don't ever stop. Come when you stop, that's when the problem gonna come in. You know. See, all of a sudden if ain't no problem, no problem no more, then that's when person look at you and be like, Oh shit, you know, ah, oh, damn, you know. You got another broad or you got a nigga or something because you done talked about this shit all these, all these years and all of a sudden everything hunky door. Nah, something wrong with that, you know. So. <laughs> all right. Well, let me hey, ask no, you no, this. No, no slurs. I'm sorry. That's just a figure of speech, you know. <laughs> <laughs> let me ask you this. How should, how can a kid complain to a parent? about something that the parent is legitimately doing wrong without being disrespectful. So in other words, you know, you're doing something that your kid doesn't like or is bothering them or is putting them in a bad light. How can they come to you and let you know what's going on without getting knocked upside the head? Um, it all depends on the age of the kid. You know, I, I've seen uh, instances where, uh, shit, I think my my own kids did it to some family members uh, where, you know, kids believe all this positive stuff when they're young until they get in the real world, you know, like smoking a kid and all that stuff. And, you know, they might say something like, you know, you shouldn't do that. That's going to kill you or something like that. And, you know, people think it's cute. But, see, once you get past a certain age, and you know, then the cute stuff go out the window. Then you have to kind of watch how you say whatever because you might get your head knocked off. So um, hmm. I think um, I think it just comes with age, and I think um, it creates like 
Well, especially if you come from a real conservative background. I, I think that's how I got so analytical. You learn how to get swift with shit without saying it. So, you know, you know what you're saying, and you know how you're meaning it, but you're not just so obvious that it just comes off like real brass. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. um, almost like a riddle or something, you know. Um, but with a parent, it's very awkward, especially if you have some kind of like old school type parents. You know, you got modern day motherfuckers. You know, it's like, you know, you got you might have somebody say, you know, hey mom, fuck you. Well, hey, fuck you too. You know, no problem, everything good. But you know, sound um, <laughs> like an NBC sitcom. Right, 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 right. You know, and, you know, Modern Family and all this shit. But, um, but in a more traditional sense, you have to be really cunning. Uh, you almost have to create situations where it's 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 evident, you know, like somebody saying, you know, accuse you of taking the remote, you ain't had it, and, you know, instead of arguing about the shit all day, you know, you just kind of, you know, it's like, okay, you know, this is my dad's keys or whatever, let me set this shit right by the remote. So when he get ready to look for his keys, on the remote right there, so I guess you didn't have it, you know, that type of shit. You know, you got to learn mm-hmm. how to slick with it, you know. Versus just outright just arguing and, you know, battle wheels. And if the wheels are very strong, you know, you got one of them James Evans wheels, you know what I'm saying? It, it, it might get ugly, you know, so. <laughs> um, but I, I, I just think that, you know, stuff like that is, you know, it all kind of depends on the background. Uh, in modern terms, modern times, you know, it's really no problem. It's not a lot of traditional nothing left, you know. It's pretty much just, you know, you know. You know, you know, you got the mamas and daughters fucking the same dudes, and and all this kind of shit, man. And you know, and you know, people being best friends with their kids and all this kind of shit. So it's like, you know, um, you know, I had you know several pupils, you know, tell me, you know, you know, like why am I tripping there? They, you know, cussing their mama and mama cussing them back like it ain't nothing. I'm just like, well, uh, shit, you know, fuck that, you know. You know, so I mean, you know, it just, it just all screwed up. You know, yeah, we'll be playing second fiddle to China and everybody other damn country in the next five years. So, it uh, won't be that long. Yeah, probably not even that long. And on Facebook, Danielle chimes in and says the child should let the parent know how the behavior makes them feel and possible suggestions or alternatives. This will work better today than it would when I was a kid. And, yeah, I agree with you on that, Danielle, because as soon as I said something to my folks that would have been come out sideways, my mouth would have been knocked in the next room. Uh, Crystal, how does a kid approach a parent let them know that they absolutely dislike something? You know, maybe the the dad is yelling too loud at the football games, embarrassing him, or maybe the uh, – Mom jumped on one of the kids about something and wrongly accused them or, I mean, whatever the situation can be, how does a kid complain to a parent and remain respectful? Well, okay, I would have to agree with, um, you know, what's already been said because it does depend on the, um, as Eminem was saying, it depends on the tone, really, of the child and and then of course that also depends on the age of the child or the maturity level of a child there are mm-hmm. some children who are pretty mature when they're very very young 
Um, you know, they have old souls, as they, you know, call them, because they're just, just more mature. They're just born that way. So they can say things, and the parent will listen, because they know that coming from this child, they mean it, and and where they're coming from is, is from a real place. So, but for the average kid, you don't. You just shut up. You don't say anything. <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter. You know, because, of course, I'm being illogical and irrational. Like, I want you to shut up or I want you to sit down somewhere. I want you to whatever or don't talk to me or whatever. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, why? Because I said so. That's it. (laughs) That's You know, that always worked for me as a child and it worked for my kids. Because I said so. You know, that's the end of it. There is no real logic to why I'm doing what I'm doing. It's, you know. Because I'm, I'm I'm psycho anyway. Because I'm trying to raise you. I'm trying to run a household. And I'm you know I'm dealing with all this shit. You know just you know leave me alone. You know just let me do whatever I have to do and just let me do it with some peace and quiet. <laughs> so so basically no you can't say anything. You're not supposed to say anything. Whatever I say is law. That's the end of it. So yeah, like a little kid. But as they get older, it gets better. <laughs> And you crying and shit, and they telling you to, you know, shut your mouth. And you was like, you want to say so bad? Hell, I'm over here hurting. How the hell I'm gonna shut my mouth? But you know, you just right sit there and try to <laughs> reverse your tears and stuff, and then it ain't working. But you know, yeah, that's that's some awkward shit, boy. Man, you get beaten till you cry, and then when you start crying, they say dry it up, hush it up, and shit. So yeah. like, shut up. Yeah. And then you're over there making all kinds of noise, just trying to suck it up, and right, it, it just makes it worse. You know, having a fake asthma attacks and shit, because you're trying to figure out how to stop crying and and all that <laughs> shit at the same time. You almost going into cardiac arrest. Like you see, kids got kind of get that jerk and they, you know, snot, snotting tears and shit, trying to mm-hmm. come down. <laughs> <you're> trying to, <laughs> right, you're shaking and stuff. It just, it just, yeah. I don't know. You know, <laughs> yeah, it can it can get ugly. It could at least it could back in the day. I know about now. There's still nah, some nah, some parents nah. now who are about it, nah, but uh, nah, not as often. Off. Roll, roll, you know, everybody rolling blunts with each other and stuff. There's some there's some shit out here now, man. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know, they taking. Uh, I heard of co-parenting, but you know now it's actually co-parenting. Like you know, the child is actually writing the rules. And shit, mm-hmm. you know, it's crazy. I remember when I was 12, the last spanking I got from my father. And um, I was going to be diplomatic about it, you know. <laughs> and uh, so when he went to go get the belt, and um, I called my father Pop. And I was like, um, you know, here it is. I'm trying to be, uh, you know, show my maturity as a 12-year-old to show that, hey, I'm not this young kid. You have to just beat into submission anymore. You know, we can negotiate. And I was like, look, Pop, how about, and I was going to say, like, how about I go a week without TV or something to kind of ground myself? And basically all I got out was, look, Pop, how about, shut up, boy. And, you know, <laughs> that was the end of that discussion. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was my man. attempt to respectfully hey. complain. But that yeah, was the end yeah. of discussion. <laughs> yeah, boy, back in the day, they was on some straight-up root shit, man. It's just like, <laughs> Because had I said anything after Shut Up Boy, 
I don't know who y'all be on like the Talk to K radio show. Y'all be talking to Kevin or somebody because I wouldn't be here today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, especially if you know you got some kind of image or whatever, and the, and the folks embarrassed and shit, you finna get beat beyond beat, man. Shit, man, that was the last spanking I got. After that, I said I'm not taking it anymore. I mean, you know how you just get spanked so bad, you feel greasy in your, in your pants. You just, oh, man, yeah, it was four thirty in the afternoon. I went and got in the bed, and, and when I say that, I I didn't just get in the bed. I got in the bed and I went to sleep. I mean, I didn't wake up till the next morning. I mean, I was just, ooh, boy. <laughs> I didn't have anything left after that. I said, you know what, I ain't doing no more stupid stuff. But all right, uh, <laughs> which wasn't true, but at least not on that level. Last one. Uh, Crystal, how does a mate complain to their significant other about a lack of intimacy in their relationship? Um, By screwing somebody else. That's not a good point. That will get their attention. Yeah, I mean, it may result works. in the first 48 episode, but it'll get their attention. <laughs> Whatever. I mean, um, the lack of intimacy, really, that is a symptom. It's not, you know, really anything else. I mean, and you can complain about it all you want, but... As a woman, okay, if the guy is not sleeping with you, he's sleeping with somebody else, number Mm -hmm. one. So uh, to complain about lack of intimacy is a mute button. You should really start complaining about the fact that he's sleeping with somebody else (laughs) because Uh it has nothing really to do with you. Um, If it's the other way around... A man complaining, which is illogical, but if a man actually complained about lack of intimacy, (laughs) then he is about to or already have chosen the girl he's going to sleep around with, and he's, like, giving you one more chance before he goes and do it. Man, Crystal doesn't cut us any slack. It might be be true, but she doesn't cut us any slack. She, she ain't saying the dude might have high blood pressure or anything. Prostate cancer, she's saying this nigga right. fucking somebody. And I'm finna right. cut or his he, throat. Or right. he selected someone he's gonna get with. Right. I know you so fucking. So there it is. There it is. <laughs> you know. I really do think it's a mute point for people. I mean, if you know your mate and you know what's going on in his life or her life or whatever, like if he's working more or whatever, then you have to, of course, kind of figure out, you know, are you making more money? Is there more money coming in? Is she working more? Um, you know, do you have to look at what's really going on? Um, because, again, lack of in- intimacy is a symptom of something else that's happening right. in your relationship. It's not, so to, in other words, to complain about that is ridiculous. You need to be thinking about what's really going on and start talking about that issue. Yeah, I, I think... Intimacy. I think lack of intimacy means that the the other person has, in their mind, already moved on to, to someone else or something else. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's why there's not even... It's like intimacy is an afterthought. You know, it's like 
yeah, I might do it just to be doing it, but, you know, unless you just remind me to punch the clock, then I have no intent of putting in the work. And uh, yeah. so, and it's it's unfortunate when that happens, but, um, and it can be a number of things that causes it, but if someone is not intimate with you and you got to complain of intimacy, then it's probably just, you know, just go ahead and hit the door, because that just means the other person doesn't have the courage to leave, and you're going to have to be the one that leaves. Yeah. And then, in some people's cases, I guess, you know, they get that that super shocker. It's like, well, all these years you thought I was, you know, sleeping around. And, you know, then you turn on the on the, on the the boob tube one day, and there it is. Bruce is now Caitlin, you know, so you understand, you know, what happened. <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, like, that right, explains you, you it know, all. Yeah, you're married to a millionaire and uh, a former Olympian superstar and all this, so you know he knocking off, you know the you know, uh, a slew of you know 19 year old hustler models or something and shit. You know this dude trying to be like you. You didn't even know it all this time. You accused the man, you know, a former man or however you want to phrase it. So mm-hmm. you know, of being intimate with somebody else and spending his money on somebody else and all this time you were wrong. Mm-mm-mm. That's a shame. That's a yeah, shame. Because, man, so. that kind of money. Fleet of Cadillac? Shit. Fleet of Cadillac, fleet of hoes, Jack. <laughs> Shit. Yeah, that's the only way to live, you know. <laughs> the hell we're trying to get some boobs and shit, man. Fuck that. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll see if I can choke on them. <laughs> oh man Oh boy Alright uh, On tomorrow's show And it might be tied into this uh, Do you throw away A good relationship over bad sex Should Colonel Desire Ever went out over having A conflict free relationship That's Wednesday November 4th at 10 p.m. Eastern on the Talk to Q Radio Show. No experts, just opinions. We'll go ahead and get into final thoughts on tonight, how to complain, methods of complaint, how to deal with people who complain, or however you want to look at it. And Eminem, I'll go with you on your final thoughts, sir. Uh, on complaining, you know, like yeah. I said, if it's, if it's something, uh, you know, business-related, you know, it's more effective if you put it anywhere there's a paper trail, and uh, pretty much like what Crystal mentioned, you know, if you, you know, you find out what department actually uh, has a designated person for this kind of stuff for reviews and all that, it's much more effective. But on the, um, you know, on the local level, pretty much, you know, if you're, you know, pretty much in a in an ethnic area or urban area or something like that, you know, uh, just remember that. If you complain, stick to the subject because most of the people that have, that's brave enough to have businesses are probably not that professional and might be tied to the streets. So you start getting too sideways. You know, you're not going to go back and just kick back the remote. You know, you might have some shit flying up in your house, you know what I'm saying, or your apartment (laughs) or something. So, um, you know, just keep that in mind, good folks out there. And, um, you know, as far as the, uh, uh, you know, uh, compromising or whatever with the parents and all this kind of shit, even though, you know, it wasn't about the, 
how how did that go? How do you uh, let a parent know? How do you let something? a parent know? Complain to a parent without being disrespectful. Without being disrespectful, I mean, you know, it's it's one of the things like uh, you know, it all depends on the personality of the parent. First of all, what what generation they're from and all this kind of stuff. You know, uh, sometimes it's easier just to listen and just don't do it. And, you know, sometimes they'll realize that, okay, uh, I thought I raised them better than that, but I guess I see you ain't going to do it. You know, and that that is just kind of fade out. And that's if you're not in under their roof. You know, if you're under their roof, you got to take that shit. But if you're not, then it's just like, well, you know, you know, it is what it is in a respectful mm-hmm. way, of course, you know. Um, and, um, shit, man, what was the very like, what was the other one? The very last one was talking about lack of intimacy in a relationship. How do you? Oh yeah, oh yeah. The um, the lack of intimacy. Sometimes that could be a key indicator. Um, of course, the obvious. You know that Chris, though so eloquent, put it. You know he's sticking his penis in somebody else's vagina. It's uh, <laughs> uh, a biological way of putting it. Right. Or, you know, it could be something else. It could be, uh, you know, some women. You know, since we seem, seem to put everything on the man, some women tend to forget that, you know, some guys, you know, um, do have egos. And, you know, if they are having some kind of health issue, you know, they might just kind of, you know, uh, fade away a little bit because they are trying to deal with it. So mm-hmm. when they get over whatever they're getting over, they want to they don't want to they don't want to have no kind of weak experience. I mean, you know. Uh, I'm, not talking from, I'm not talking from experience, but yeah, but you know that's how. <laughs> you know, I've seen. Some, you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, but uh, you know, a lot of guys do that kind of stuff. They just kind of, you know, kind of like uh, y'all remember the movie uh, Juice or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. You remember the uh, the the, the character. Uh, no, Q, I mean, uh, not Q, um, Pop Goodbye. was crazy as hell in that movie, but I think it was swabbing his dad. He just said at the TV the whole time. Anyway, they were saying, I think, that on the storyline, I think the dude got raped in prison, so I guess he's one of them dudes that was never the same after he lost his virginity. You know, it's kind of like that. That you know? will do it. Yeah, you got guys, you know, you know, you know they leave the hood, you know, you know, you know, slanging dick like crack, and then they come back, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, a half female, and, you know, they just kind of, like, so worried about the rumors getting out of the year, man, that dude got screwed in jail, that, you mm-hmm. know, you know, the the chick's thinking that, you know, man, damn, you know, I was looking forward to this, I heard so many stories going way back to the, you know, the late 80s about how this dude putting it down, and, you know, this dude just kind of, you know, he just want to sit on a stool or something at a damn car wash and, you know, not talking to nobody, just taking the wax off cars and shit. Like, man, what's wrong with that dude? Yeah, he probably got raped. Um, <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> uh, so it could be, you know, it could be other factors besides, you know, infidelity. You know, it could be other things, you know. Uh, you know, this dude. Okay. You know, you know, he could be uh, eating the wrong shit and messing around and, you know, and the worst thing possible that can happen to a guy is, is, is impotency. You know what I'm saying? You know, even if it's just temporary. Because, mm-hmm. you know, that shit right there deflates somebody real quick. Because I don't care what you're working with or what you think you're working with. 
you know, if you got a if you got a damn uh, cooked spaghetti noodle, that shit ain't no good. You know, you know, you know, you gotta keep your shit just like it's coming out the pack. You know, you take spaghetti out the pack, this shit is stiff. You know what I'm saying? When you get it, you know, you boil it, it ain't standing up. I don't care what you do to it, that shit is gonna be waggling. So, you know, so that could be going on. You know, and this is stuff that a guy, a straight guy, that doesn't feel like he's on the view and all that shit. He don't have that kind of relationship with no woman. He's not gonna tell a woman all this type of shit. He's just gonna kinda of just fade off, you know, so until he bounced back literally. So, um so, you know. Just keep that in mind for the you know the women that's automatically Very accusing, and then you know, then you always got that 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 one you don't want to hear is whether you know, you know, you think um, you you know you think you're dating Sam and this dude talking about he's Samantha inside and all this shit you know so that's you know that's the obvious reason mm-hmm. for lack of literally you know so, but. Other than that, he's probably screwing somebody. So, <laughs> all right, very good. <laughs> and you know, you mentioned um, Juice, and I decided to go back and look. You know, it's 1992 because I couldn't remember who directed Juice. And the guy who directed Juice's, um, his name is Ernest Dickerson. And you don't hear, you know, you hear about some black directors, but he's one that I've never heard of before. At least the name doesn't ring a bell. You all familiar with the guy that did Juice? Um, no. And I always wonder what happened to Maddie Rich, that did uh Straight Out of Brooklyn. He was like seventeen. Oh, okay. No, I wasn't familiar yeah. with him either. But yeah, but yeah. not Young only Ted, did man. he do Juice, was his first um, movie. Which, I mean, for that to be his first movie, I mean, he did a good job. He right. also did Surviving the Game, which, you know, was Ice-T. That was uh, really good. Let's see. He did Bulletproof with Damon Wayans and Adam Sandler, so I guess he tried his hand in comedy. Um, let's see. What else did he do that was pretty good? He went back to TV. He did a couple episodes of Criminal Minds, CSI Miami, and he's he did a bunch of episodes of The Wire. Matter of fact, I love like, that. Yeah, he did a bunch of episodes of The Wire, uh, Law and Order, and he's still doing his thing. He's um, doing he did eleven episodes of The Walking Dead. Yeah, and see, that's so this the guy kind of still stuff. active. I wonder why I never heard of him though. Yeah, but uh, you rarely well, hear of producers, the people behind the scenes. Yeah, and, and, and it's kind of like something we talked about, you know, uh, months and months ago. Actually, now um, I think it was, you know, um, one of the subjects was maybe like, uh, or maybe it's for a future show, like black role models are. I mean, just stuff like that. That's the kind of stuff that did, you know, that uh, that I was going to kind of bring up for the piece. It's just like, you know. It's just like people want to perceive all the role models being strictly, you know, uh, mainstream entertainment type guys, you know, whether it's athletes or rappers or some type of entertainers, but just something that that has mass appeal. But I think if it's sold to the kids of regular people, you know, who do some um, – pretty interesting things that, you know, uh, you can find that there are a lot of successful people
people that look just like you that gets absolutely no fanfare, you know. So, uh, but stuff like that is interesting. I, di- I didn't know that, you know. I'm going to go back through some of these older movies from the 90s and see who directed some of them. Um, this guy, he did yeah. Tales, well, from, well, what, Tales uh, from the Crypt movie. Yeah. See if you can uh, see what, what Maddie Rich doing now. Straight out of Brooklyn. And, uh, straight out of Brooklyn. Okay. Yeah, because he was so young when he did it. Everybody kind of ordained him as the next Spike Lee at the time. But you know, I don't know what really happened. I don't. Well, he might have did a lot of stuff since then. But I mean, I just really didn't hear anything. Uh, as far as directing, he's credited with um, the Inkwell. He did the okay. Inkwell directing. And um, he did a video game in 2005, 187 Ride or Die. I'm not familiar with that video game. So he didn't do much after um, Straight Out of Brooklyn and Inkwell. Okay. Damn, that's, he was that's bad. That young. No screenplays or nothing. Damn, that's, man, hmm, that's amazing. But he did appear on Arsenio Hall. So. Roof, roof, All roof, right. Roof, roof. <laughs> Let me uh got somebody chiming in late here, but I'll go to the seven three two area code. The Garden State of New Jersey and welcome on the show enforcer Ray. What's going on, man? Hey, what's up, Q? Cuz Crystal, how what's y'all up? doing tonight? Doing well. And um we're getting ready to get into some, some zone coverage, but I do have a topic that I want to discuss, and Crystal, I want you to chime in for with it, because you know how I like to trick you into participating in zone coverage. But um, I'm going to take a break right now, and I have some new music. So this is from a group called um, Nile Groove, N-I-L-E Groove, and the name of the track is called Thinking of You. And it's a nice little funky reggae track that I'm digging, you know. And, uh, I mean, I love listening to reggae, especially when I get an opportunity to hear it live. So it has a little reggae feel for them. You can check them out at nilegroove.com. Search for them on SoundCloud under Nile Groove Band. And um, I'll list some of these places to find them on my uh, Talk to Q Radio Show fan page. But this is Nile Groove, Thinking of You. And after this, we'll come back with some zone coverage. And I got a question that um, I want to throw out to everyone about something I saw on ABC World News tonight. This is for you, baby boy. Boy. When my eyes are open and the sun comes shining and sparkles in the sky like diamonds, I think of you when the water trickles down me in the
them allowing me to debut some of their music from the album Uncovered. Okay, going to get into a little zone coverage here, 347-202-0215. I want to bring up this topic that I saw on ABC World News. Um, You know, since 9-11, it's been kind of a staple in athletics to see patriotism at a stadium or at an arena, you know, where they have those moments where they honor, you know, fallen soldiers and active soldiers um, and, you know, try to give you that emotional connection to something a little more serious than maybe just a game. However, it's been revealed on ABC News, this is something they found out in the spring, that a lot of those opportunities that we see on the field for the military men and women um are something that's part of a marketing or advertising package with more than 50% professional sports teams. Like, for example, um, when they unfurl the giant flag at a Buffalo Bills game that covers, like, almost the entire field, uh, that's something that's actually being billed to the Pentagon. It's not like a, a free service, so to speak, or a free act of valor being done by the NFL and the Buffalo Bills, 
they will charge the Pentagon $10,000 for that. Or if um, they had three military um, soldiers throw out a pitch at a Milwaukee's Brewers baseball game this season, and I think that cost like $3,000 to do that. Um, the Minnesota Wild hockey team had a soldier repel from the scoreboard down to the center ice to drop the puck, and I want to say that was like 7000 I don't remember the exact amount. And this is being described as paid patriotism. Okay. Now, Crystal, I'll start with you on this first. First of all, did you know that something as simple as having a military veteran sing the national anthem was costing taxpayers money? And how do you feel about it? Because it says that um, – you know, a lot of these sporting events have cost more than $6 million in taxpayer money. Well, first of all, no, I didn't necessarily know that. I didn't know that, um, well, I don't watch a lot of sports, so I don't know that they're doing this all the time. Um, I thought a lot of the times that they did anything, you know, like that, that they would do it during something specific like Veterans Day, which is coming up next week, and then, um, you know, something of that nature or around an event like 9-11 or, or something. But uh-huh. but I didn't know they did this stuff all the time necessarily. Um, so, no, I mean, as far as it being, you know, paid, um, do I think it's bad? Um I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I guess you could say it is kind of um, our, you know, taxpayer money um, in a way. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how to feel about that, really. I don't feel necessarily bad about it. Um, but I didn't know that. So, you know, <laughs> that's the process. I have to process that for a second, but no, I don't necessarily feel bad about it. Um, I think it's you know it's um, it's interesting that it 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 would be a cost. Um, maybe something outside of the realm of you know like Veterans Day or something like that, or would be, or maybe outside of the realm of someone you know just honoring a particular person because of something that they did. Uh-huh. I mean, outside of that, I think it probably would be a cost if they wanted to do something special or whatever. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how to feel about that, but I think it's um, I think it's interesting, okay. and I'm not shocked. Actually, I'm not shocked by it. Yeah, I think that's. I was wondering if anyone was was shocked. And Ray, how do you feel about it, man? I mean, I'll be honest with you. I never once thought that anything that was done regarding the country at a sporting event had any type of real cost to it. I just assumed like someone like the NFL who makes billions on billions of dollars would cover the cost of maybe someone, you know, of a flag that rolls out to midfield or something like that. But how do you feel about it, Ray, knowing that the NFL and other um, sporting leagues are charging the country for acts of, I guess, of, 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 you know, military honor, so to speak. 
Oh man, it's 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 one of these things that uh that needs to be talked about. I mean, because you know, it's really the biggest crock in the United States. Everybody says, Well, you know, you don't say this about a soldier, you don't say that. Well, this is not a war. You might have this going on, but it's not a war. But really, when you think about it, you know, I understand that the question is spending money versus taxpayers and all this and other kind of stuff, but it's much deeper than that. You know, it's, it's always, you know, we're so thankful for our veterans. If that's right. the key, why do these guys come home and then they can't find a job or they, they, they don't have a decent place to stay, you know, but everybody's concerned about the veterans. You know, you should be able to walk in any place that you qualified and say, you know, I served in the military and be able to get put on with a job. That's not the case. You can't get health care. You know, I they can say, yeah, the VA bill and all that, but they can't get everything they need. But everybody's concerned about the soldiers. And, you know, everybody waves the flag and say, well, you should give and all this other kind of stuff. Then you find out that the money is actually coming from you as a taxpayer while right. people really had the money to give are not giving no money at all. So, you know, it, 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 it to me, it, it's just a, a, a con job. And I think, you know, I actually believe that if you risk your life for the country or you serve in the military, if they are the true heroes, as people say they're true heroes, I think heroes come in many forms and sizes and shapes and colors. But if that's what we're going to say, to me, once you have served your term, whether it's four years or whatever, you should be able to come home. You don't have to worry about working. You don't have to worry about eating. You don't have to worry about your kids going to college. The Americans that are so thankful ought to have a fund set up to take care of these veterans and people wouldn't mind going to the military. But I think that for people to collect money and not tell people what the source of or the source of where the money is coming from and it's actually coming from the taxpayer themselves, I think that's a, one of the worst shams that it is out there. Not that people that don't did not that people don't want to help, but uh-huh. at the same time they should let them know exactly what's happening. I I agree, man. Now the NFL has since come out and said, uh, if that's the case that they're being be sent a bill They'll refund any any money, but that's you know that's probably yeah, because they, they found caught. out. They know where the yellow yeah. money coming from. If they <laughs> were sending you the check, yeah, know where it's going. Exactly. So Eminem, what's your two cents, man? Oh man, uh, well that was a great point. Uh, Ray brought up. Uh, I just got two points on it, uh, and it's kind of indirectly related to the same issue, even though I didn't know they was charged. But I know years back, man, I'm talking about like probably the mid-90s, I saw a thing where they had this propaganda where they were going to try to uh, lure um, kids to be more, you know, gung-ho about, you know, the military and certain stuff like that by promoting it through video games. And I know Halo and Call of Duty, which really really hadn't even came out at the time, was, was being heavily promoted. And I thought that was interesting. And, you know, at the time, 
when that was being said, you know, everybody thought it was bullshit. But you know, but as time went on, you know, that's some of the two biggest games. Period. You know, I, you know, other than you know Madden or something. But uh, and then point number two, you know, kind of on a lighter note, on, on the same point, if they paid somebody, then I think that the the Uncle Sam owed No Sean Marino lifetime benefits at the VA man for the. And them tears he was crying that time at that uh uh when he was in Denver, y'all remember that? So what now? No Sean Marino, you know, yeah, doing the I Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. With some rain I, mean, I mean that dude I mean, you know uh I mean he really, really got emotional. I'm talking about those were the type of tears you you don't think you would see unless, you know, somebody's a parent or child died or something. I mean, it was like super emotional. So, uh, you know, I I hope all that was real and, you know, the Army or somebody didn't pay them off or something, you know what I'm saying, to try to influence, you know, young dudes from the hood to sign up for Uncle Sam or something. I mean, I don't know. But stories like that just have you scratching your head because, you know, it's just like, you, you know, you want to believe certain things, but then it's like, damn. You know, the Pentagon paid what? You know, and then they're like, who who yeah. builds the Pentagon? I would be scared to do that shit. Like, okay, I build you, and then the men in black is standing somewhere trying to knock my head off. You know, like, damn, you know. And so, um, 72 contracts have specific mentions of patriotic moments where a major league sport, uh, sporting league, will. Uh, receive taxpayer money to, you know, stage these little events, these little military events. And so far it's been more than $6 million of our taxpayer money coming to this. Um, I, I mean, I mean, Crystal, I guess it makes you wonder what other things that we pay for that we know nothing about. But uh, what do you think it says for, says about, how we really feel about the military or how we really feel about the country that will even monetize something that's supposed to be honoring veterans? Well, I don't think that this is a, um, a general thing, um, you know, a, something that you can just say that what they're doing Speaks to the whole country. Um, uh-huh. I think when you when you when we talk about veterans and the soldiers and everything, I think the masses of people really do care about um, the veterans because it, those are our sons and daughters and brothers and sisters, parents who have are doing the fighting <clears throat> and are coming home wounded and everything. Um, or dead, or not coming home at all. I mean, those are the majority of the country who are who are affected by that. So when we say that, we really do mean it. Um, however, you know, in the government itself, for those who are you know able to make changes in policies, a lot of those people, those uh, a lot of them aren't going into the military. Their children are not going into the military. Um, you know, so 
it's just a select few who are not affected by this. And then, again, you have to realize this is a capitalist society as well. And and then also the fact of recruiting. Recruiting mm-hmm. is huge for the military to get, you know, the numbers in for the younger to the young people to actually go into the military because of the fact that what Ray was just saying is that when you come out you don't have the respect that um you know someone for instance <clears throat> you go into Congress <clears throat> or you go into um become president or whatever and you have you know you have this golden parachute for the rest of your life of you know, yeah. of money and, and insurance and retirement and all these things, you know, that he was naming, they get. They get all of that. And so, but they haven't, you know, they haven't done anything besides sit behind, you know, a desk or whatever and, you know, make make policies and rules that affect other people. It doesn't really affect them because they know how to get out of it. You know, but it affects other people. So, but the ones who are actually doing the fighting of, you know, the wars that they create, you know, they don't get anything. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I just have to look at it on a realistic level. This is a capitalist society. The military itself, they're responsible for recruitment. So they try to figure out ways to do that whether it be a game, whether it be, you know, where young people are, which is watching, you know, sports or whatever. So they try to figure out how how are we going to get them in? How are we going to get mm-hmm. in the seat? And so if this is how, you know, if this is one way I could do it, then they're going to do it. So. Okay. And, um, and Eminem had to drop off. But, um, and Ray, I'll let you have the last word on it because something she mentioned about um, how the military has to recruit. And a lot of this is just like marketing to recruit. Um, I think part of the reason why the Pentagon probably doesn't mind paying the money, you know, one, because it's not their money, it's our money. But two, because when they see these proud moments um, at a Super Bowl or you hear about the Pat Tillman Foundation and everything Pat Tillman did, you know, that does help them go a long way towards recruiting new soldiers. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it, it's, it, it's it's a big business. And I think that really they just, you know, to a certain extent, prey on, on, on young people who don't know no better and try to get them to come in and, you know, you'll be looked at as a hero and you can do great things and all that, which is true. But at the same time, they just don't treat the soldiers right. You can't say that someone is the hero and you can't compare them to your favorite sports star because your favorite sports star is not a real hero and all this and that. And then when it comes down to these folks actually needing something, nobody wants to, to give it. I mean, everybody say, hey, I'm patriotic, I'm this and that and the other. But how many people actually give? And, you know, it's got to be a hustle in order to get people to give money. But the problem is, is where is the money going once they receive it? Is it going into 
richer people's pockets or is it going toward helping needy families? I don't mm-hmm. think the majority of America would be opposed to donating to veterans and soldiers and stuff like that. They just want to know where the money is going. And, you know, I'm all for it. Once you come home, you do your time, your four years or ten or whatever it is in the military, mm-hmm. you shouldn't have to look at it. The American people can support you because you protected the country. I had no problem with that. Me neither. Okay. All right. Well, I just thought I'd bring it up and let you all know what I know now on this. And I had no idea that uh, we were paying for these moments that we see that made people swell up with pride. And Lord knows how much it costs for one of those uh, stealth bombers to fly over a stadium. I mean, no telling how much they paying us to charging us with jet fuel on that one. So, um, yeah, something to think about the next time you see one of those moments on a Sunday afternoon that, uh, hey, you may as well enjoy it because you paid for it. And, uh, Crystal, I appreciate you hanging on. If you want to talk about how the Lions allowed 45 points um, in their game over in London on Sunday, I mean, you're more than welcome to to hang on and we can discuss what you all need to do to improve your defense. Yeah, whatever. They suck. Okay. <laughs> Talk to you tomorrow. Okay, bye. Uh, all right. And it's just me and you, Ray, so we're going to keep it brief, man. And uh, one thing, we'll go ahead and start with your Raiders, man. They, they're above 500 late in the season for the first time in a long time. And 34-20 over the 4-3 and three Jets. You know, the Jets had a pretty formidable team. But uh, y'all pretty much handled them, man. I know Ryan Fitzpatrick got hurt early, but I'm not sure if it would have made a difference or not. Um, Now, it does seem like y'all are still kind of like falling asleep in the second half on teams and stuff when y'all get a big lead. I mean, so you can also talk about what y'all need to do to kind of put these teams away. And, uh, I mean, it was 34 to 20, but, you know, sometimes it's like y'all let the teams get back in it. Yeah, I mean, we let San Diego get back in it. And, you know, we let Jets basically stay alive until the end of the game and in this this week's game. But um, overall, we, we look good. I think we had a talent. I think we're building confidence. I think our coaching staff has got guys ready to play to the highest level. We just sit on. We just have to put it together before – for four quarters, and um, you know when you're young and you're not used to winning, some of these things happen. But um, you know overall, Jets had one of the top defenses in the league, and when you put up these kind of points, you know no matter who the quarterback is, you know we either won a game, you know, thirteen to fourteen, similar to how Seattle beat Dallas. Now we can say, well, you know the quarterback got hurt. When you put up, you know, 30-something points, the defense had to be on the field at some point, and yeah. they just wouldn't even get it done against us. And I think that, um, you know, if we can keep this momentum going, we can have a real special season because, you know, Oakland fans have been waiting a long time for this, you know what I mean? So, Well, I mean – it is, man, and you all have the vertical offense that Al Davis has been wanting since Rich Gannon left. I mean, Derek Carr goes over 300 yards again. 
He has four touchdowns, no interceptions. Um, Latavius Murray has over 100 yards rushing. And Michael Crabtree has over 100 yards receiving, man. It's like y'all are getting everything that you want right now on top of the defense being pretty solid. And um, Buck's not on tonight. He had something come up, but he already says he's going to be ready to talk some trash with you tomorrow because it's, and what's so funny, you all play the Steelers and then the Cowboys play the Eagles. So it's going to be a lot of trash talking on here tomorrow if everybody dial in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it should be. But, you know, I, I think that, that we have to seize our opportunities. Like, to me, Greg Harding should have been on our football team. We had the money to sign him. But, yeah, that would have been big. Yeah, along with all this Mary and Khalil Mack, that would have been awesome. And we got Justin Ellis and Danny Williams on the inside. That would have been awesome. You know, then these teams are dangling guys out there. Eric Whittle right here is on the trading block. Uh-huh. You know, we we need a safety. Yeah, we got Nate Allen. Of course, we have the Aces Wonder in Charles, Charles Wilson. Wilson. But, we, but we need somebody else to go along with that. And when teams put guys out there, see, to me, I'm not concerned about draft picks. Draft picks is, is a hit and a miss. When uh-huh. I got a guy that I know is a pro bowler and can play, you got to sign that guy up. And I don't think that we're doing a good enough job with that. Okay. You know, Joe Thomas is, is on the street and block from what I understand. From Cleveland? <laughs> yeah. So... Exactly. They said they were willing to let go Alex Mack and and uh, Joe Thomas, and they probably let them go. Everybody in the league should be jumping you know, on Joe Thomas. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Particularly because, Seattle. Shit, if I'm Russell yeah. Wilson, if I got to get back some of my money, I'm going to get that guy in now. Yeah, because what's killing most of the teams in the league right now is the offensive line play, man. These offensive linemen um, aren't that great, and uh, I can't remember who was breaking it down on ESPN, but they were saying the college-style offense is what's doing it because these guys in college aren't being asked to block very long. He said in college they're blocking three seconds, the quarterback's throwing the ball, and that's it, and they're not being asked to sustain blocks. You know, the run game is pretty much a draw play or a read option, so you're not really drive blocking like you would normally under an eye formation or something like that. And they say it's affecting these guys' techniques. And it, it seems like it shows to me, Ray, because these guys now, man, I mean, sometimes you're watching these um, offensive linemen, some of these tackles, and it's like they'll get two good shows on the defensive end and they're done. You know, and the defensive yeah. end just runs, just runs around them and gets the sack. I mean, it, it, it's hard for linemen nowadays to pass up. So much more athletic than they were back in the day. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I watched football life of, you know, Alan Payne and guys like that when they played. Yeah, they were good during their times, but you can see the technique is, is different. Guys are a lot faster. It's a lot more to to the game. The game is really evolved into something special. You know, as we watch the game on Sundays, a lot of times we take for granted when they say, um, you know, he controlled the ball all the way to the ground. If they had them rules back 25 years, uh, 50 years ago, a lot of guys wouldn't have half the catches that they did have, you know, the little 320 or whatever it is. And 
you know, I don't I don't think it's fair, but what can you do about it? Mm-hmm. Now you have to be Superman in order to to play in the league and do everything you're supposed to do. And then you still may not get the credit you deserve. So, you know, it, it's a, uh it's one of the things that you dislike as a die hard uh sports fan. You hate That's to see sure. stuff that you see now. You know, and Steve Smith is is another example of that. You know, out of the small receivers, he's the toughest one to ever play the game, in my opinion. I think but, so, too. You know, when you got these kind of numbers, people got to guess whether you're a Hall of Famer or not. That's just ridiculous. Well, I had an argument, uh, I guess that might have been Sunday afternoon, um, about Steve Smith, and there were some guys saying that he wasn't a Hall of Famer and I. I'm like man, I, I feel like he he has everything that qualifies for a Hall of Famer. As far as he has great numbers, he has the intangibles as a, a leader, and um, he was a good blocker for somebody to be so small. He was a really good blocker. Um, his toughness and you know leading a, a franchise for better the better part of a decade. I just felt like the man was a Hall of Famer hands down. But. Um, and never play with a great quarterback. Yeah, that's true too. Yeah. Now, so. I mean, so it, it's interesting. I, I mean, I hate to see guys go out like that. You know, Frank Gore gonna soon have twelve thousand yards, but mm-hmm. then he's one of them guys that they gonna hold out on and stuff like that. And I just don't don't think it's fair. Not not at all. Not when you consistently was good over your entire career. When, like I say, you can pick 30 guys in the Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame is supposed to mean the greatest of all time. It's not like that. You know what I mean? You see a lot of guys that you could put them in any era they could have played. But you have some guys, they can't, they couldn't even make the team and they're in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, and when I look at Frank Gore, uh, to me, I look at, you know, a lot of guys, you know, I understand a lot of people focus on championships, and that's important. But to me, I look at how long you did it. I look at the franchise you're with as well, because if you're on a great franchise and you break all that franchise's records, then, you know, I give you some points for that. You know, just like Hines Ward being an all-time leader and receiver in, in Pittsburgh means something to me you know, um, because of the greatness of that franchise. And when I look at Frank Gore and what he's done over his career, and maybe he hadn't had the opportunities to do a lot in Indy, and a lot of people will try to hold that against him. But, I mean, I just think the man has, just like Curtis Martin, has done so much so consistently throughout his career that you got to give the man his props. You know, but a lot of folks want that, that... person that's going to jump out at you like a Barry Sanders, and unfortunately, everybody ain't Barry. Of course. There's only one Barry. I mean, Frank is, uh, you know, he's on pace to get 1,100 yards this year once again, and he's been consistent his whole career. I mean, it's just a lot of guys, Reggie Wayne and all these guys, 14,000 yards receiving, and number seven all-time in catches. And we 
having a discussion on whether the guy's going to make the Hall of Fame or Tory yeah. Holt and all these guys are being held out, to me, it's unfair. Like, Steve Martin was a good receiver. I got a lot of respect for him. But to make him first ballot along with Jerry Rice, Jerry Rice is in the class by himself. You know, if you're only going to get that honor to select guys, then Jerry Rice should have been the only guy to get it. If you're not going to put the other guys in. So, you know, as a friend, I just disagree with that, you know. Yeah. And it's, it's nothing against anybody. And then they want to say this is a passing error. Okay, if you're going to take the wide receivers out the Hall of Fame, you got to take Drew Brees and out too. And see, and that's what we were talking about. We were arguing about. They were saying, you know, how can you say Steve Smith's name next to Jerry Rice? And I was like, look, man, I said, I said, let's be honest here. I said, there aren't too many people who have played at any position that you can say next to Jerry Rice. Regardless of position, I mean, there are very few people you can just put up there with him like that. As as um, as, as good of a player um, receiver um, you may have had in a shoot, I mean, a John Stallworth or uh, a Michael Irvin or, or all the way up to a, a Tory Holt, you're not going to just say they're equal to Jerry Rice. No one is equal to Jerry Rice to me. And, um, yeah. you know, the only people you can put in that type of category is maybe, a, it, it, well, not maybe, is a Barry Sanders, you know, um, as far as on that level. Even though he never won a ring, he was still that great of a player. Barry is my favorite football player of all time. And, um, you know, and I argue with guys all the time as far as, when they talk about who's the greatest running back. Okay, Barry Sanders holds records in college, and he holds them in the NFL. The guy played 10 seasons, has 15,000, I believe, 269 yards, I believe. That's over 1,500-yard average for his entire career. Which is ridiculous. Five yards a carry for his whole career. And you played on a team that was not a great team. You know that that makes a whole lot of difference. Yeah, so, I mean they, they had one little run, and I mean it didn't last very long. Nah, you know he could have shattered the record if he wanted to, but you know he did what he had to do, and he exited the game. I really didn't like how he left, but at the same time, you got to respect what a person's wishes are. You had to enjoy him while he was there. Yeah, and. And I really wish he would have got a chance to go to Miami just to see what he and Marino could have done together, just to see what would have happened. So Yeah, no, but, that would have been nice. But, all right, uh, let's move on, and we'll talk about my Cowboys as much as I really don't want to talk about them. Uh, they let another game that they could have possibly won slip away. Seattle didn't play all that well, and Dallas – just can't make any touchdowns. Uh, a lot, I mean, three chances in the red zone, all field goals. Dan Bailey's going to make the Pro Bowl. I guess that's one good thing about it. He's going to make the Pro Bowl as a kicker. But um, they only have 14 first downs and 97 passing yards, man. This is what I don't understand. Now, for the most part, Matt Castle did okay his first game of getting the ball down the field. 
But he threw that, you know, threw a couple of interceptions that I guess he regretted. And now he's regressed back to to Whedon. Now, I'm not sure if he played any better than Brandon Whedon on Sunday. Uh, I mean, he threw to Darren McFadden six times out the backfield. Well, he, he targeted him eight times. And no other receiver had more than two catches. And he's just not going to win like that. The Cowboys aren't going to win like that. They've got to find a way to get the ball downfield and get it into the hands of their playmakers. And that requires more creativity on their part, on, off, on Scott Linehan's part as the offensive coordinator and Jason Garrett's part. Now, I will bring up something. Did you hear about how the referee kind of uh, missed the mark on that uh, 12 men on the field penalty? Yeah, well, I heard some controversy about that. Yeah, what they but say I really is, I mean, yeah, what what they you know they they said they had twelve men on the field, and I think what happened, I don't know if Seattle had called back to back timeouts or something, but any result, anyway, they they claim that it should have been an automatic first down for Dallas, but regardless of that, I don't. The referees may have screwed it up, but I blame Jason Garrett for that. Now, Ray, don't you think as a head coach, one, you should know the rule book back, backwards and forward, and two, if there's a call that you don't agree with, I don't care if you got to go out there and sit down on that star on the 50-yard line. Don't you let the referee talk to you to try to explain what's going on or at least explain your case? He just let it go. Yeah, I mean – I think that, you know, coach has to stand up for his players and stand up for what they believe in, particularly if they feel like the call is unjust. For him to let it go and not say anything says that he doesn't have any fight in him for his kids. Or so he really doesn't know the rules. Really, I can expect the to have some fight, yeah. I mean, that seems to be a reoccurring theme nowadays when they call something Nobody really knows what it is, and they they have the referee or retired ref kind of explain it to everybody and stuff like that. I like that aspect that they that they uh put into the game now mm-hmm. because all they have to do, you know, all right, ask the former ref what he think it is to see what the call gonna be. I mean, sometimes it ends up being different, but. You know, I don't think nobody really has a full understanding of the NFL rule book. I mean, I understand it's a lot of tricky rules and everything else and stuff like that, but I think these coaches need to train themselves up better on how to deal with certain things on the field as they happen. Yeah. And um, I just, man, I just thought he really dropped the ball on this, man. He just he just screwed that up. Either he didn't know the rule or he didn't choose to fight for it. And that could have been a first goal and give you an opportunity to score a touchdown as opposed to a field goal, which would have been a difference in the game. But speaking of um, referees, just a little side note. You know, so far this year, Ray, they've had 48 pass completions reviewed. All right, so they've taken a look at 48 pass completions so far in the NFL on instant replay. 26 of them have been overturned. So that's a 54% um, percentage of calls being overturned on the field. 
And they had an incident on Sunday where Darren McFadden caught a pass, turned around, he never secured the ball, and the ball came out, and they said it was an incomplete pass. I honestly don't think the referees know what a completed pass is anymore, right? Yeah, well, I, I saw the play. I thought he made a football move. I thought but, he, uh, yeah, I thought he fumbled. Yeah, I thought it. That's what I'm saying. I, you know, I thought he fumbled, but you know, like I say, it's one of those today rules again, where you know the rule is such that you got to control it all the way to the ground, and you got to control it and make a football move and all this and that. Like I say, watch some of the old games; they didn't control nothing. The ball hanging out any kind of way it can. I don't even know what a football movie is right now. No, and you know, it's I believe it's up to the referee's interpretation. It's not based upon nothing solid, because they can say like the play last year. What did everybody say? Well, he caught it. You look at what your eyes. He caught it, but according mm-hmm. to the rules, if you don't control it to the ground, it's not a catch. And you know, you can control it, but it, it's it's just uh, the McFadden play. I think it was a bad play. I thought it should have been a fumble because he twisted his body and he took like two steps before the ball started coming out. So. You know, I, I just disagree with it. Yeah, like I said, I just don't think they know. Um, it's just so much confusion now with the rule and what a football movie is that um, no one just seems to have an idea of what's going on now. But, um, all right, so uh, let's see. Um, Daddy Rich sent me a message on Sunday and said that um, he's going to start paying attention to Cincinnati now. Since Cincinnati, you know, thumped the Steelers 16-10. to And Cincinnati looks legit. I mean, I ain't saying they're a Super Bowl team, but, you know, they're a legit undefeated team. They, they got a nice defense, and they seem to be doing everything right. And the big news out of this game, right, was Le'Veon Bell, man. I really felt bad for this dude. For somebody that's not on my team, I'm not a fan of the team, I really hate to see that dude go down. Oh, yeah, he's an excellent football player. I mean, he's the most slippy, slippery running back since bad sense. I mean, you really watch this guy, how he maneuvers on the field, man. He's hard to tackle, and he runs hard at the same time. Yeah, when I saw the injuries, I just thought, man, you know, they talking about questionable return. I said, shit, they must be called my next year. Because... <laughs> Yeah, I mean... I thought it was broken. I saw it. Yeah, it it didn't look good at all. I mean, the Steelers are in good hands. They got the Edward Williams, and they just have to use the weapons. And, you know, I understand that Big Ben was rusty, but the Steelers can put it all together. They can have a real team they can challenge for, for it all. But, you know, everybody has to be somewhat healthy. Yeah, and being healthy is, man. I mean, it's been a problem. When you look at a lot of the um, all-pro players we're seeing that's going down this year, man. Um, I mean, there are too many to name. I, I mean, with you know Jordy Nelson at the beginning of the season, and then 
now you have Le'Veon Bell. You you know you have Ben Roethlisberger that went down for a long time, and he's just getting back. And I can go on and on. It seems like there are a lot of stars that are bowing out this year, and it's going to make uh, death really important on a lot of teams. So, luckily for the Steelers, they have D'Angelo Williams, who's been running the ball, who ran the ball very well when he's had opportunities. So. It's not a huge drop-off, but they really are going to miss uh, Le'Veon Bell, for sure. And, uh, of course, man, I rate this game, as much as I hate the Saints, I could not turn away from this game on Sunday with the Saints 52 and the Giants 49. Man, it was like an old Tecmo Bowl game or something like that with uh, Eli going for 30 or 41. 350 yards, six touchdowns, and no interceptions. And Drew Brees going 39 of 50, 505 yards, seven touchdowns, and two interceptions. And I don't know if you saw any of this game, Ray, or if you saw any of the highlights. Uh, And, you know, I'm a fan of defense, so it's not like I really like to see these type of games all the time. But every now and then, it's not that bad to catch a game like this. Oh, yeah, it was a real, real shootout, you know. I know it was going to be a shootout when it got to be like 14-14. And mm-hmm. I was like, man, these guys, you know, it's a game that you really should have took over. You know, I actually did. But Tampa Bay won that smoke money up, you know, because I had Minnesota minus one and a half. I had uh, New Orleans going over 51 and a half. And, you know, the Bucks just had to go over 47. And, mm. you know, they only made 43 points. And that's what knocked everything out. But, you know, it was uh, it, was, it was a good shootout, good for fantasy league, good for the fans. And, you know, they just let them guys rip it. Yeah. And, you know, and people want to start talking about, oh, how can you score 49 points and lose and all this and that. When it's a game like that, it's a shootout. Somebody has to lose. Yeah. So it doesn't mean that the quarterback was a loser or anything like that. Somebody had to lose. And Breeze was at home, so he pulled it out. Yeah. A lot of times in those games, the last one with the ball is going to win it. And that's just how it works sometimes. Um, I still don't think it helped Rob Ryan as far as his defense is concerned. (laughs) But, um, yeah, Odell Beckham went wild, 130 yards and three touchdowns. Um, And so Ben Watson, the tight end, nine receptions, 147 yards and a touchdown. Let me ask you this real quick about Ben Watson. Now, Ben Watson has come on as of late as a pretty good tight end, uh, and Drew Brees is looking to him more often. Now, this is a guy that's been around for a while. Um, he started with New England. He's played with Cleveland. He's not young. I mean, he's 35 years old. But it seemed like his career has kind of been revitalized as of late. Um, you know, he has 38 receptions, uh, 472 yards, and three touchdowns so far um, with the, the Saints. And he's on pace to have his best year ever in his career. And Ray, do you look at Jimmy Graham, even though Jimmy Graham's not having a bad year, do you look at Jimmy Graham as almost like a DeMarco Murray to where uh, even though he's a good player, he may not 
ha- he may not fit with that team, or do you think it's just a matter of uh, they got to find somebody who's going to block first before they can worry about getting the ball to him? Can you say that again? Do you think that Jimmy Graham is more like a DeMarco Murray type to where he's not a fit for the Seahawks and that's why he's not performing as well? Or do you think that it's just a situation where until they get better offensive line help, he's just gonna they're gonna struggle getting the ball to him? Um, well, you could say they need offensive line help, but I think a lot of it is that you gotta learn how to play with Jimmy Graham. I mean, when Jimmy Graham gets the ball, he looks good. You know, he mm-hmm. runs hard, makes catches, and everything else. But this is what happens when you deplete when you deplete your offensive line. And now Russell Wilson just makes—he's my favorite quarterback. But now he's making plays that just make me sometimes say, "What the hell are you doing?" <laughs> you know, and everybody can blame it on the offensive line, but. See, one thing I notice about the quarterbacks that make good passes, whether it be Aaron Rodgers, whether it be Tom Brady, some guys go straight back, make me read, and then they throw a ball. Russell Wilson and guys like that, they back up, and then they look at them side to side, and they're not going through their reads. I understand that the pressure is coming, but you only need two seconds to get rid of the football. Uh-huh. And you're not using Jimmy Graham right now. And, you know, can they get it solved? I don't know. But, you know, they need to use Jimmy Graham better in my opinion in order for this marriage to work with Jimmy Graham. Because yeah. he gave us a lot for Graham. It sure did. But, and, you know, he's on my fantasy team and. I have been getting no return on my investment. <laughs> and but it seems to me like um when you talk about the quarterbacks dropping back, it has to be I guess the the, the lack of knowledge with the playbook or maybe they don't trust um uh, the play like a Tom Brady does or a Peyton Manning or I mean Tom Brady, like you said, he drops back, that ball's coming out like clockwork. But with more athletic quarterbacks, it's almost like they prefer to use their athleticism to keep the play alive instead of trusting the play. I mean, if they just drop back and just do that thing, I just think they could be a lot more dangerous, you know. Oh, but oh, yeah, absolutely. So, but you just don't really see it. And uh, speaking of quarterback play, Cleveland has decided after losing 34-20 to Arizona, which they played Arizona pretty tough and had a lead in that game for a minute, they decided that Josh McCown is not the answer. 18 of 34, 211 yards, three touchdowns and an interception. And they're going to start Johnny Manziel against um, Cincinnati on Thursday in a short week. And, Ray, I just don't understand this. And I, I, had, I didn't watch, you know, you know, Cleveland's game on Sunday to say that I know exactly what happened and if this was warranted. But I just don't understand because it seems like McNown to me had been McCown had been playing fairly decent, and to pull him in a short weekend put Manziel in. I mean, was it injury related? Oh, uh, I think he did suffer some kind of injury. I believe all three okay. days, but, well, but that makes sense if that's the case. 
I mean, Johnson Nelson is playing awesome. I know he's not the long-term answer. Yeah, he's not the long-term answer, but I think that he should, you know, keep the job. First, I thought they should have put Johnny in, like when all his teammates were talking earlier this year and stuff like that. But, Uh you know, Josh McNown has been putting up some really big numbers and keeping his team in games. They may not win them, but they keep them in games. And, you know, I can think it's more of the people just wanting Johnny. And, you know, I like Johnny. I'm a Johnny fan. I hope he gets out there and does well. But, you know, to me, he's got to play the best guy. And, you know, just like to me, I would put Hassel back in and put Andrew Luck on the bench. I would have done that in a heartbeat. They they don't want to do that because Luck is supposed to be the guy going to sign the $130 million contract and everything Mm -hmm. else. They will get him out that way. I will not give that guy $130 million playing like that. Now they nope. want to blame no ribs and everything else. And, okay, if you want to say his ribs are hurting, you guys didn't disclose that on the injury report. Oh, no, 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 no. We're, we're not saying this, that. I lied back and forth. Hey, mm-hmm. to me, I believe the guy is just out of sync, out of rhythm, and he's not playing the way he needs to. They can yeah. blame it on injuries and all that all they want. There's plenty of guys injured in the league. But you have to be able to get it done. I mean, they benched Matt, Matt Stafford um, in Detroit, and he came back better. And I, I think yeah. that uh, – and I think if you had a um, um, somebody like – you remember when Ken Wizard Hunt benched Matt Leonard, who was supposed to be the future in Arizona, and brought old man Kurt Warner in there and went to a Super Bowl – if I'm a coach, man, I'm trying to do what wins. I ain't trying to do what was on what's going to help somebody um, as far as marketing and the face of the franchise. And I really think Pagano, if he would have really thought about it last night, man, I would have, you know, you can lie to the media and tell them that Luck is injured to keep from embarrassing him. But Hasselbeck probably would have done a lot better than what Luck was doing last night. Oh, yeah. I mean... I think he needs to sit down and get his head together, or if he needs to get healthy, then he get healthy. Alphabet got almost 40,000 yards in his career. He knows what he's doing, and the Indianapolis coach looked the best that he looked all year when Hasselback was the quarterback. Yeah, man. He did not look like no backup. Yeah. So, I mean, but look, I mean, he, he came on in the fourth quarter, but it was a little – too late at that point, still threw the game away, trying to force a ball. But, um, yeah, he needs to shave his beard. He needs to find him a fat woman. He needs to do something to come out that slow. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So, um, man, uh, what really surprised me now, like I said, we've talked about all season how we thought, how we think Green, bet me, I'm, Denver has a Super Bowl caliber defense. But not only did they stop the Packers, man, and hold them to 10 points, they held Aaron Rodgers to 77 yards passing, man. And if you would have told me going into this game, one of these quarterbacks would have had 77 yards, I would have put all my money that would have been Peyton Manning. And, man, how good is this Broncos defense? And now they're stepping up the offense even more, bringing in Vernon Davis. No, I mean, the defense is, is awesome. I don't know what happened. I mean, Aaron Rodgers just probably just had a bad game. He's due to have one. 
if he haven't had a bad game in 50 games. You know what I mean? And, and I think they could have done more because, I mean, we was able to throw the ball on Denver and stuff like that. So I think more so it was just timing, you know, and I think Manning kind of saved himself for that game because he wanted to make a statement and it was nationally televised and all that. I was surprised. He, I would be surprised if he tried to show up with, uh, you know, a cortisone shot or something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because he wanted to look good while he was on TV. But he just does not have the strength. And I think as the year goes on, people are going to see that. And, you know, I had a lot of many fans, you know, that I talked to and stuff like that. Hey, think the guy's a great guy. He's been a great quarterback. But when everybody talks about the greatest, that's where the problem comes at. When you say the greatest, okay, you take him out. Don't let him use his offense. Say, okay, I'm going to send you to the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm going to send you to the Rams and see mm-hmm. how successful you can be. We don't know that. So, you know, I, I just saw uh, – I'm just interested to see how this whole thing pans out because I was sure Green Bay was going to win the game. You yeah. Know, so, and for them to get stopped the way they did, it just – wasn't good. And man, they um Denver ain't no joke. And they are no joke on defense. And if they get their offense going to where they're scoring twenty eight points a game or something like that, man, it's gonna I don't see anybody beating them unless the defense just takes a nap one day. Uh, they gonna be very hard to beat. I mean the defense scores, I mean they get they got a safety, uh, they get turnovers and they just <clears throat> do whatever it takes, and Demarius Thomas had a good game on offense. C.J. Anderson showed up, man, 101 yards. I've been waiting on C.J. Anderson for, um, like, seven weeks now, you know, which I've already dropped him for my fantasy team. But um, it's good to see him kind of wake up. Ronnie Hillman got two touchdowns. So they get that running game going and can kind of protect Peyton a little bit, man. They're going to be very difficult to beat. And um, Ken Hunt was let go by the Titans. Um, they lost to the Texans 20-6, to and they dropped to 1-6. and And, man, Ken Wisenhunt, since he left that Super Bowl in Arizona, I think I heard on TV something about his record being, I don't know, I, I want to say it's like 3-20 and over the last few seasons or something like that. And so after I heard how bad his record was, man, I'm wondering how he kept his job this long. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I agree. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know either. You know, but it, it's football, so you're going to see things that we can't figure out or we don't understand, and they just going to, you know, keep some people alive, you know what I mean, instead of treating them like they treat every other player. To me, yeah. Every player should have to earn a position. It shouldn't be given to nobody. I mean, this is a guy, after his Super Bowl run with Arizona, he did 10-6 and six that next year, um, and then he didn't make the playoffs. And then he went 5-11, and 8-8, eight and eight, 
five and eleven, two and fourteen, and then he's now he's starting out one and six. And I think Mike Malarkey is going to take over the team for now. Uh, and those may remember Mike Malarkey. He coached the Bills in 2004 and 2005. And he also had a short stint with Jacksonville. Now, he didn't have a very impressive record either. But uh, I guess they had to pick somebody. So we'll see what goes on there. And speaking of someone else who lost their job, um, after losing 27-6 to to the Rams, the 49ers have decided to go with Blaine Gabbard over Colin Kaepernick oh, on Sunday. Man. And, wow. man, I'm like, I know Colin Kaepernick is kind of bad, but is he Blaine Gabbard bad? I don't know, man. Me, Blaine Gabbard might have uh, learned something, you know, but at least Blaine Gabbard going to try to throw the ball from the pocket and – you know, I think the team may rally around playing Gabbard. So I think a lot of teammates don't care for Kaepernick. And he's the kind of guy that people won't care for. And a lot of guys feel like, oh, well, they always going to have people don't like them or they're going to have haters and all that. Well, you've got too many haters, you need to change what you're doing. And I think when a guy collects a $20 million paycheck and there's no wins with that, and no leadership with that, I think people tend not to respect you as much. And, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think he understands that. And a lot of these young guys don't understand that. They get a big contract, they show up with a, a $400,000 Ferrari, all, you know, with all the bells and whistles, and people look over at you like, well, he's earning you know, all this big money, guys making a Pro Bowl and everything, can't get big checks, and then you don't deliver on top of that. So, you know, I think those are some of the issues that's going on. What's in the locker room because the team wants you bench. You know, and I think Vernon Davis did get into an argument with Joe Stanley about that. He denied it, but you see he's traded right now. You know what I'm saying? And, right. You know, I just, you know, somebody needs to say something to him, though, because he's not playing great at all. They talk about building the offense around him and all. You're a quarterback. Let's start with throwing the ball in the pocket and making reads. We always want to make excuses for these guys. You know, I'm a guy who enjoys good football, not, you know, guys doing things their own way. Because yeah. there has not been a win, running quarterback to win the Super Bowl yet. Now everybody, we're not talking about a guy with the ability to run. We're talking about a guy who runs first and passes right. second. Right. I agree. Steve Young was a scrambler. He wasn't a runner. Yeah, so. I mean, but he putting up 4,000-something yards a season. Hard to call you a running quarterback. <laughs> I know. All right, so let's see my the place I usually go for the Who Am I that site is down, so I can't do that tonight. But uh Ray, you know, it's the middle of the season, week eight, and I'm looking back at some of our predictions, man, and I'm just shaking my head at some of the stuff I, I picked, man. Um oh, yeah. I mean now yeah. it does look like let's see, you you had New England first and Miami last in the AFC East, so it looks like you have that right. 
I got New England first. I had the Jets last, and that's not going to be right. Uh, you had Baltimore first and Cleveland last. The Baltimore hadn't been the same since Terrell Suggs went down. And uh, yeah. I had the same thing, Baltimore and Cleveland. Um, I had Indy first and Jacksonville last. But it looks like Jacksonville, shoot, they're going to make a run at first come Sunday with the way Indy's playing. And you had Indy and Tennessee last. So, so far you're still on point with that. I had Kansas City first and San Diego last, but uh, you had Denver and San Diego, and that may be the case when it's all said and done, um, if Denver doesn't pick it up. And let's see. In the yep. NFC East, I had Dallas and Washington. I mean, Dallas is only two games out, but, man, they got to pick it up. You had Dallas and Washington as well. Dallas first, Washington last. I had Chicago first. I'm excuse me, Green Bay first and Chicago last. Um, I had no idea Detroit would be this bad. And let's see, you had the same thing, Green Bay and Chicago last. And Detroit, man, just I mean, it's just like they got too many good players to even. I'm not saying they have to be 500 right now, man, but they're just bad. I mean, Kansas City was was done with them early in the game, man. I mean, I think they're no pride about themselves anymore. No, I don't uh, think they're playing for Caldwell right now. So, I think they're over in the season already. Yeah, Caldwell yeah. just, I'm surprised he wasn't the one to let go. But, all right, uh, let's see. I had the Saints winning the NFC South over Tampa Bay. Didn't know Carolina be this strong. You had Atlanta winning with the Saints finishing last. In the West, I had Seattle finishing first, the 49ers last, and that's still possible. It's going to take a lot, but you had Seattle finishing first and the 49ers last. So, uh, yeah, my uh, my pick of Andrew Luck as an MVP is probably not going to happen. So. <laughs> I bet he run off uh, seven in a row and Right, and then my pick for um, you had Russell Wilson as MVP and Offensive Player of the Year. My pick is Antonio Brown as Offensive Player of the Year is not going to happen since he had to go through the Landry Jones and Michael Vick era and just ruin everything he's ever done. Um, We we both had J.J. Watt as Defensive Player of the Year, and he has eight and a half sacks, so he can probably still – do it with a big sack year, but it's going to take a lot of sacks for him to get any credit credit because um, his team is doing so poorly. And we both had Amari Cooper as Offensive Rookie of the Year, but he's going to have to really contend with Ty Gurley because Ty Gurley's like he got it going on right now, man. He seems like he's 125 yards guaranteed. Oh, yeah. That's why I keep telling people, man. He's the best I've seen since Adrian Peterson. And, you know, it's one of them things that, man, this guy, we don't even hear about Trey Mason no more. You know, Mm -hmm. all that girl, he's getting all the carries. Yeah. You know, he's busting big runs and tearing them off every week. And, you know, guy coming off the injury running like that. So... You know, he's a real special player. 
He's getting it done, man. And um, and then as far as coach of the year, you had Jack Del Rio, so you might be on point with that one because he like he got them boys going. Um, and I think I had Chip Kelly with Chip Kelly has to run the table for him to get coach of the year. But and just um, other thing, man, it's kind of surprising. Here it is, middle of the season, and Andrew Luck and Peyton Manning are number one and number two with interceptions thrown in the league. I mean, that's kind of crazy that they yeah. number one and number two in interceptions. Yeah. As nothing yeah, I ever would have guessed. And I also no. never would have. I also never would have guessed that. Uh, well, not only I didn't know anything about Devontae Freeman, who wasn't even supposed to start this season for Atlanta. Uh, he's leading the league in rushing, but I never would have guessed that Chris Johnson uh, would be second in the league in rushing. Yeah, he's right in here to Adrian Peterson. If you read yeah. that, you know, I mean, five years ago it was a conversation, but, you know, these last few years, Chris Johnson hasn't done too much. I tell you, Arizona may be a place for people to find their careers, man. Kurt Warner went down there and done it. Yeah. Now, you know, Chris Johnson is doing it. So, you know, maybe may a place for him to, to revive himself. I mean, maybe so. Carson Palmer. Carson Palmer's even doing it. I know. He's you doing know it big. And yeah. if you would have told me that Chris Johnson would be second and Doug Martin would be fourth, I would have told you you were smoking. <laughs> but uh, yeah, on the passing side, Phillip Rivers leading everybody with twenty seven hundred yards. Um, then Tom Brady and Matt Ryan and Carson Palmer is fourth. Um, so that's who you're looking at as far as the passing stats. Now receiving Julio Jones, DeAndre Hopkins, I can see that. Um, it was a shame about Kenan Allen, man. Kenan Allen's going to miss the rest of the season with a lacerated kidney. And uh, he got to have surgery on that. That's serious right there. Uh, so Kenny Allen's done for the year. Um, Antonio Brown is still fourth, despite the fact that he really ain't had a good game in a while. So that's kind of a testament to how good he is. And Larry Fitzgerald's in the top five of receivers, man. I think that's pretty cool that he's up there. Yeah. Yeah, he's had a great career, and he's getting – on track with a good quarterback. And, you know, Brandon Marshall was up there, too. So Yeah. Yeah, Brandon Marshall was in seventh. Steve Smith was eighth when he got hurt. So, um, let's see. Then on the, um, as far as tackles, Dequil Jackson, Navarro Bowman. I mean, those are guys that are on bad teams, so you expect them to have a lot of tackles. But as far as sacks are concerned, Chandler Jones and J.J. White both have eight-and-a-half sacks. Um, Ezekiel Ansah with Detroit was seven, and Cameron Wake had seven. But Cameron Wake hurt, too, isn't he? Uh, yeah, he out for the season. That's what I thought. Man, everybody out for the That's season. That's more than killing. Yeah. It's just going around, man. So, uh, interceptions, Charles Woodson. That's five interceptions. He's leading the league right now. Josh Norman, who just shut down T.Y. Hilton last night and cost me a fantasy game. He um, cost me a fantasy game, too. I had Frank Gore to start. All I needed was three points, and T.Y. couldn't get me but one. 
all I need was three points. Now, I mean, he dropped, you know, some points out there too. But and then Andrew Luck overthrew him a couple of times. But uh, that was painful to sit there and watch that man. Um, yeah, it was. I mean, but he, you know, fifty-five million dollars. You got to do better than that, brother. <laughs> I know that's right. You pass it yourself at that point. So, but all right, and um, real quick, as far as college, man, you know, Miami, what was it, Miami and Duke this weekend had all those laterals. Um, yeah. And the referees missed. Yeah, and Miami missed so I mean, the referees missed so many different things they could have called on that play that would have given Duke the victory. And a lot of people feel like the ACC should step in and take the victory from Miami and give it to Duke because uh, it was the last play of the game, so it's not like they would have had another opportunity to do anything. How do you feel about that, man? Do you think that Miami should step up and give the victory to Duke? Do you think the ACC should do it, the NCAA? Or is it just one of those things where it's like too bad, so say it? Yeah, well, I mean, it, it, it's one of the things that, you know, I think that any time anything is obvious, they should take it back. They shouldn't leave it out on the field because I think the referees deliberately gave the game to Miami. You mm. know, ain't no way you can't see stuff going on with all those in practice. I know. So, you know, college football is another corrupt institution, you know. Who went, who went to the school and who's giving money and what town they playing in and, you know, and who's a fan of the school and stuff like that. Shouldn't be all that. These, these are, are young men and these are young kids. And it should be played out on the field. Yeah, I think it was messed up. And I think the ACC should step in and do something if anybody – um, and, and fix that, man, because you already suspended the referees, but that's not enough to was, – uh, wasn't Duke undefeated? Uh, I'm trying to – let me find – I want to say – No, they were 6-2. Oh. Yeah, they were 6-1 yeah. coming into the game. Uh, so, you know, they're still having a good season, you know, and, I mean, to kind of throw a monkey wrench in their season is kind of jacked up, man. I, I feel like they should get them guys there – the victory. They really yeah, should. I mean. So. But, uh, and there was one other thing I was going to mention, and I can't think of it off the top of my head. I don't really, didn't really follow the World Series, but, I mean, it's kind of cool to see the somebody different win it for a change. I mean, the Royals haven't won it since the 80s, I don't think. So, that was kind of cool. But I didn't really watch any of it. Oh, last night, man, Golden State dropped a hammer on Memphis by 50 points. Memphis is a playoff team, a good team. And, man, Steph Curry looks so relaxed out there. It's like now that he has his championship ring, man, he looks like one of the Globetrotters out there just playing ball against the the um, Washington Generals or something, man. I mean, did you see how they, they did that last night? No, I didn't. I didn't watch it last night, but I watched uh, one, say two or three of the games since uh, since the season started last week, and 
you know, he's just really, really good. I think last Tuesday was the only one they opened up when he dropped the 40 on. I forgot who they were playing. But, um, the new, uh, New Orleans, that's who they were playing. And, um, yeah, he just looks good, man. The best shooter I've ever seen. Because, I mean, he, he just, like, throw the ball in from anywhere. And, you know, he's he's a, a superstar. And his, his brand is only growing. And he's doing things the right way, so I always pull for the kid. Mm-hmm. You know? And, you know, I think this guy is the lyric for him. Yeah. You know, yeah. they're going to be hard to beat. If they don't let Green tear the team apart, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Seth, Seth Curry is going to be up for a new contract, I think, next year or something, but he's making 11 million a year. Now, when you yeah. get Raymond Green making 17 and, you know, Andrew Bogut making 15 or 18 and, you know, Clay Thompson and all these guys making money. You know, and now Harrison Barnes wants seventeen million a year. How can a guy ask for that kind of money and you ain't starting? I, I don't understand that. I don't understand you know, that either. I'm all for guys getting paid. Mm-hmm. Like Thompson on on uh, Cleveland. Mm-hmm. And if you behind love, how the hell are you gonna pay love twenty two million dollars and turn around and pay you sixteen and a half? <laughs> eight eight points and ten rebounds. Right. You know, you're a good player, but damn, come on. Man. Nah, take your 10, 11 million and be happy with that. Yeah. Hey, hey they, they paid it to him. That's what I said. If Cleveland does not win, what do you say to the owner? Because Kyrie is making 19, Love is making 22, LeBron is making 22, uh, Virgil is making 11, uh, Thompson is making 16 and a half. Uh, my Shepard is making sense. So when all these salaries come together, and you guys, if you don't get it done, what are you going to say to the owner? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, because at that point, it's like, man, as much money as y'all got, you, I mean, you should be a lot. So you can't complain. But, yeah, yeah man, but, I mean, Golden State looks Really good right now. And it is going to be interesting to see what happens. I mean, Steph Curry deserves whatever money he can get, you know. But these other guys mm-hmm. kind of got to gotta back off a little bit, but it's not going to happen. And it makes you wonder if that team's going to be torn apart. But uh, right now, they're looking good. They looking. They don't like they have no type of hangover or anything, man. Um, so I watched them play. I saw some of the Houston-Oklahoma uh, State game, and, Houston, they had to do, but Oklahoma State, man, is a dangerous-looking team, boy. Ooh, man, Russell Westbrook yeah. and um, Kevin Durant look like they're playing together pretty well because I was wondering how they were going to play when he, when Durant got back. But, man, they they are playing well together, and they're going to be hard to beat. They're going to be so hard to beat. So, man, yeah. I'm kind of geeked up for the NBA a lot, you know, for this year, man. Look forward to some of those Christmas Day matchups. Yeah. But, but all right, man, do you have anything before we shut this thing down? I mean, tomorrow we'll preview 
the upcoming week of foot of NFL, we'll probably talk about LSU and Alabama because that's going to be the game of the weekend. Uh, I know you had the Brandon Rios, Timothy Bradley fight, which I don't know if that's pay per view or not. I hadn't looked to see where that's airing. Do you happen to know off the top of your head? Okay. Thank you. HBO with a show. Okay. All right. Cool. So we'll try to get into all of that and hopefully. Um, Eminem can join back in and get some trash talking done. He's coming over to the crib to watch the game Sunday night. And, um, you know, Buck will be on tomorrow. Um, and probably Daddy Rich to let y'all go at it about the Raiders-Steelers game. It's good to see a Raiders-Steelers game that means something because um, both of y'all can be in a pretty good position, whoever wins. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. But you know, I, I look 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 forward to uh, talking about the game. You know, and all I can say is one team going forward and one going backwards. <laughs> so we can keep it that way for one more week. I hear you. I hear you. It's gonna be a good one. And oh, one last thing. Did you see the um, play DJ Augustine made when he took like five steps for a layup? No. <laughs> Man, let me tell you, you have to YouTube DJ Augustine travel. That's all you have to YouTube, and it's going to come up. And, man, I have never seen – and he was running right beside the referee, and this dude looked like he took about five steps. I mean, he ran from, like, outside the three-point line. <laughs> just He kind of bobbled the ball, but he just never stopped running, man. It is the funniest thing ever. They were laughing about it on Sports Center. Talking about how no one calls traveling anymore. Yeah, but, but you've got to see DJ Augustine, man. He just, man, that was so funny. He just ran to the hoop. So, but all right, man, I'm gonna shut this down. Appreciate you hanging out with me. We'll get up with uh, you tomorrow, and uh, tell the wife I said hello. Oh, uh, I do that. Okay. And you all have been listening to Zone Coverage on T2Q. You know how we do it, sideline to sideline, end zone to end zone. Talking sports, mainly the NFL and whatever else comes to mind. Everyone have a good night. Go to TalkToQ.com. My thanks to my sponsors, CrystalHickerson.com, MedievalWP.com, and the Now Groove Band. And we'll catch you all tomorrow at 10 p.m. Eastern, and we'll do this again. Peace out. Hey, what up, Q? What up, Radio World? <laughs> we got something to prove tonight, and we start the whole circle thing off. Help me. Keep the same move. We knock out. Let's go. I am the greatest. Go play intramurals, brother. You play to win. Do you have any questions? I got a question. You got any excuses tonight, Roy? Playoffs? What are you talking about? Playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. Be a dog. You don't need no meow.
dogs. We don't need no cats. We need more dogs. But we talking about practice, man. What are we talking about? Practice? 